DC has announced the next wave of Dawn of DC books, and they really, really, really want you to read their comics. They are putting some of the top-tier creators on some books that could really use some help to sell them. And uh, I think they did an admirable job. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the big DC announcements that we got this week. Apparently, the big two just love making all their major announcements like right on top of each other because we don't just have big DC Comics news to talk about. Uh, we've also got some Marvel announcements to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about the X-Men 60th anniversary, anniversary uh, live event, which we haven't somehow discussed yet, but now we have to. Because they added someone to the to the the roster of legendary creators who will be joining Marvel to celebrate that we cannot ignore, none other than Grant Morrison himself. So we will be discussing that. And how could we not talk about a very major development in the Daredevil Born Again series that is coming to Disney Plus soon? Last but not least. We're going to be talking about Twilight of the Superheroes. We'll be getting into chapter two of that. So if you enjoyed it last week, I am telling you now, we are going to be getting into some meat today. Tremendous coverage, by the way, Sean. That, that was good sh- stuff. Sh- oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but the, you forgot the biggest news, Sean. Oh, shoot. What was that? I'm back. We're, we're, all, we're all here. Oh. All of us. I mean, yeah, specifically Marco, the ever absent Marco. Um but all four Ooh, that flowed off. That flowed off the tongue very well. You like that? Yeah. Ever absent. Stop flirting. Just don't be a father. <laughs> oh! Gonna go grab some milk. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, if you're watching us live, do say hello. We want to hear from you guys. Every week, you guys do a tremendous job in the chat, interacting with us. So let's keep that going. Um. <clears throat> I wanted to start I wanted to start a little differently. So as we all know, Marco Hello. Yes, has been the exact opposite of ever present on this podcast of late. <laughs> which yes, means, hey. dear listener, you haven't heard from Marco in a while. So I am proposing a new segment <laughs> that I am calling Marco's Minute. Oh no! Where we all, we know what Marco could do in a minute though. So listen, we're gonna find <laughs> out for one minute. Marco can say whatever it is that Marco wants to say. We've never done this before. Marco's never spoken for one minute on this podcast ever, he, unless he, it's about AI. He has for stuff we've recorded, and it's been fun, but it never released. <laughs> <laughs> that's true too yeah marco Don't are you ready you. for your minute <clears throat> i'm always ready baby yeah yeah all right here we go start all right i think that alan moore is a good writer and i think that uh based on the coverage that you guys did the okay. right. the 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 expanse at which he was trying to focus on to the uh i guess the fuller line of publication for a lot of these books uh i think it had potential and i think where ultimately you guys came to and netted out to that potential uh i agree about uh, i i agree with it i agree that there's 
something there that Alan Moore was able to tie into the larger DC universe. And then uh, from there, be able to continue to expand that out onto other parts of, or just into larger storytelling devices. Um, damn, that wasn't a minute, was it? 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Oh, <clears throat> uh, One Piece is good. <laughs> so, three. He's still one. got three Done. seconds. I got listen. I got feedback. Yeah, <laughs> Marco, you've been. I guess you might. You might be a little rusty, Marco. You haven't done this in a while. In a while, like an improv class. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yes, and yes, and, and. yes, and. Um, you know what I hate about what we just did? Everything is that I'll never get that minute back, and it was <laughs> my own idea. So now I hate myself. Thanks, Marco. <laughs> and it was in, it was in response to something you did last week. Yes, I was hoping that, to hear like how you were doing in England. Like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Oh, that would have been nice. Or, <laughs> my favorite was bullshit. it was like Marco's minute, and it was like my minute to not have to pay attention to anything before I you know yep. like I could just like take a little rest, zone a little, out, a little nap before the show. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I yeah, I thought giving you your moment, we would really learn you know some things about you, but. That's just not what happened. And you know what? That bit will never be done again. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed your one minute of of, of fame, Marco. Uh, I, I, I was a little nervous for you, Marco. You did sound a little robotic at the beginning. I'm like, oh, he finally uh, stuck. I was rebooting. USB, I was rebooting. You know, I got I to gotta come back into it. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's shift away from Marco and shift over to DC. Let's get into all the big announcements from this week. And we're going to start with... The biggest of those announcements, we're going to start with Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman is a book that I feel like they just haven't really been able to nail anything down as as of the last few years. They haven't had that stellar Wonder Woman run. And it's a weird mystery. I think like, what, the last really hot Wonder Woman book was by... Brian Azzarello, is that? That's the one that really tickled my tuna, but I don't know. Really, yeah, that one's really good. Someone said Rucka in the Discord this week. That was a long that time was ago. That, right? that was, was a while. After, that was before. Yeah, yeah that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah. Didn't um, Kelly Sue do some? Yeah, I feel yeah. like a little bit, I think. I feel like that was, was, that was like almost there. It almost sparked it, you know? Well, and she's on the Historia books, but I've... Maybe I've, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think I've yeah, not, yeah. I've not read those, and I've not literally never seen them anywhere. The the Historia, yeah, yeah. Those are those are definitely uh, celebrated, but you know it's a mini series, and it's more of a like I guess like a prestige book. Um, in terms of a mainline, you know, Wonder Woman book, though we haven't had too much success over the last few years. That will hopefully be changing with. Wonder Woman number one that we're going to see as a part of the dawn of DCU. Now, the creative team is maybe the best one that DC currently has. And I want to know your guys' take on that. Tom King and Daniel Semper. Well, I like that part. Yeah. Semper did uh, Dark Crisis, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. That's yep. huge. I'm feeling that. That's like a that's that, like a good lateral move like that. Actually, that's a that's a bump up. Yeah. I think going from 
event to ongoing big three. That's with Tom uh, King. Yeah, it's a tier. Well, see now, oh, well, <laughs> let's get into that part because I uh, I don't know I don't know how interested I am in a Tom Tom King Wonder Woman. Did Did you read the uh, synopsis, Kill? Yeah, uh-huh. I did not like. It certainly sounded like a Tom King book. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely did. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that. Uh, so. In Wonder Woman number one, a mysterious Amazonian is accused of mass murder, and the U.S. Congress passes the Amazon Safety Act, barring all Amazons from American soil. They create a new task force to carry out the new law, which is called the Amazon Extradition Entity, or AXC Judgment Day. And their job is to remove (laughs) those who don't comply by any means necessary. In her search for the truth beyond the killing, Wonder Woman now finds herself an outlaw in the world she once swore to protect. Fans can find a prelude to that story in Wonder Woman number 800, which will be coming soon by many, many, many tremendous creators from Wonder Woman's past and uh, future. And also Tom King. Right. Now, on premise, I would say that this doesn't feel like a typical Wonder Woman story. It's very Tom King. You guys are right about that. Yeah. Yeah. This does sound like somebody uh, who lives in D.C. or is writing this one. Yeah. That doesn't inherently bother me. No. No. How how many but, pages in do we see the war crime happen? Oh. <laughs> well, but that's the thing that, like, that's, again, he is seemingly to, like, reiterating some of those ideas. And that's frustrating from a storytelling perspective. And I don't want to see more of that from him. And it doesn't feel like. Wonder Woman needs to deal with that, and I need to see her deal with that. Mm-hmm. The, the one time where his his uh, his theme was like love, nobody liked Batman, so <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that run. I maintain that's a really good run, but I, I'm on you know I also liked most of Heroes in Crisis until the end. But. Well, yeah, well, that's because you're psychotic. Um, well, and says that confirmed. That synopsis sounds like someone asked Chat GPT to write Wonder Woman by talking. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's maybe good. maybe that's who's doing the copy for synopses now. Hey, Chat GPT, put Wonder Woman on CBS. Uh, show me a Tain nude. Huh? What? No. Oh, okay. That's a reference nobody got. Okay, keep going, Sean. <laughs> look, look up Paul Jose Rudd, said, uh, Tim and Eric, awesome show. Great job. Never mind. That's I thought fine. you were going to let me go. Uh, Jose said, "Sadly, reminds me of." Amazon's attack and that was the first thing that I thought of was Amazon's attack not uh, because it's one to one but just because it again sets the Amazons as like an oppositional group and all this different stuff I'm not again not inherently opposed to that um, it's just an interesting angle and I'm wondering how that fits into the larger idea of the dawn of DC storytelling especially with some of the other stuff that we learned about my biggest concern is sort of what Tyler brought up, which is that uh, Tom King's Batman run was a mixed bag in terms of how people received it. If you loved it, that's wonderful. I'm not here to criticize that. But I wasn't in love with it. And there were a lot of people who had mixed emotions. I thought it was solid, but I really disliked the, the swerve with the wedding. I thought that was just dumb and... When you're building and building and building towards something like that, it it became almost like a, this is not Tom's fault, but it felt like a promise. 
to me mm-hmm. that they would be married. And then when it oh. didn't happen, I just stopped caring. You're telling me, Sean. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, so one one thing that before we talk about failed marriages, um, one thing that Batman had kind of going against it was that it was what twice monthly. Yeah, um, it was like it had that Spider Man schedule, you know, like they and they were pumping those books out. Yeah, uh, which I don't think helped Tom King at all. Like, dude, in like the span of what, like two years, wrote one of the longest Batman runs of all time, you know? Right. Um. So this, uh, I believe this is just a monthly, right? I don't think Wonder Woman can afford being that guy. Not with the Samper art, right? Like, True, yeah. Crazy. So, honestly, it's kind of untested waters in a way. Like, the only time I've really seen Tom King on an ongoing was Batman. Um, and that was a real rigorous kind of situation. Um, this maybe can be a little better. I don't know. A little but bit uncharted you- waters here for him. I'm not envisioning this to be like a long run the same way Batman was. I'm assuming he's he's coming on for the name. They'll give him maybe like two arcs, maybe the 12 issues so he can tell his whatever format story. And then an ongoing continues beyond him uh, with Sam Perrin art. Because I think uh, one of the big conversation pieces around this has been jokingly, but you know, there's some validity to it about well, we need somebody with a name to come onto the Wonder Woman book. Give him a few issues a few arcs he's out he's on to the next thing and then we can continue picking up with one woman from there so i don't understand why and it's not a criticism against you this is what dc does with wonder woman yeah and i don't understand why why is it that every run think about the writers that have been on batman in the last 10 years alone and you can stretch that out you go 20 you got ed brubaker Greg Rucka, Grant Morrison, Scott Snyder, Tom King, uh, James Tinian. The list goes on. Chip Darcy now. Who were the A-plus list writers? And then, of course, Superman as well. Who were the A-plus list writers that have graced Wonder Woman in the same time span? Mm. You know, what are the classic standout Wonder Woman stories from that t- same time span? If if they If they want a Tom King Wonder Woman... Let him do it. Let him run. Let him whatever, however many issues he feels he needs to tell his story. Give him that. And then when he's gone, pay Scott Snyder. You know, pay, pay, pay James Tinian, pay Joshua Williamson. They need to be on Wonder Woman. She's not a secondary character. I don't get it. She can be written well and amazingly. I love Gil Simone's run. I love the Rucka stuff. I love the Azarello stuff. Let's keep that going. This is Wonder Woman we're talking about. She deserves She deserves that. Like there, This is one of the Trinity. At this point, it doesn't feel like it. So, yeah. Marco, what, what you were saying was, do you feel like it's going to be a uh, stealth Tom King 12-issue maxi-series? And then he's out rotating the next person and then we'll we'll get that ongoing from there and then when when and if sales don't perform one woman book you know closes down or they focus on something else whatever it might be and then then the next big person comes on board to try to revitalize that's the thing though it's just why why can't an on a wonder woman ongoing stick i i i think it's the story for me, like the Brian Azzarello stuff, he had what almost forty-five plus issues on that. That was phenomenal. 
the Rucka stuff, which I, I Google turned out it was actually after. It's um, DC oh. Rebirth oh, okay. with uh, Nicholas Scott. That was like another 20 plus issues. Like it, it, ha- it has the potential and it has in the past, but you need to find somebody who can work with the, who can work with the character in an interesting way. Like we tried to do that with Yara Floor. You know, no, no hate on uh, Joel Jones' art, but like the storytelling device, the, the storytelling wasn't there. And I think that's what you need to hook in people aside from having fire art. And it doesn't always pop up that way. Look, if if DC is putting Tom King on Wonder Woman and, and especially like with what we know. So Tom King did an interview with Comic Pop and I haven't watched it, so I can't speak to everything that was said. But one thing he did say was that he did not actually want to do this book. He told Sal from Comic Bop that he felt he was being set up for failure, which I did feel was a joke. So I don't want to like, I mean, you know, is it a joke, though? Like, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. And without the full context of the interview and knowing their rapport, I, I just don't know. So I don't want to assume it was completely, you know, for real. I, I don't mean I don't mean like it was is he actually think DC set him up for failure. I'm saying being on Wonder Woman is that tricky book because. Of the, so the, the the fandom for Wonder Woman is there, but the books are never there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a lot of criticism for people who write Wonder Woman, um, mm. especially when it's you know, like Tom King, a white dude, you know, a straight white dude writing Wonder Woman. I'm sure there's going to be some flack there. You know, um, yeah, and that was how I initially took it. Yeah, was that Tom doesn't want to be the guy on Wonder Woman. Because he, then he's the guy on Wonder Woman. Yeah. Mm. But then again, he was just the guy on Supergirl. So I, I don't know. Can't call it. In the Twitch chat, To Plan Kingdom says, uh, could, uh, hey, To Plan, could, what's your name? Can we get something <laughs> easier to call you? Kingdom. Kingdom. Killing me here. Uh, he <laughs> said that Tom King said that uh, he didn't want to be a limited series guy either. You want to be right. pigeonholed. Yeah. All right. Which, frankly, I prefer him at. <laughs> you prefer a nice, uh, a nice uh, final issue eleven, issue twelve epilogue book. Yeah. yeah. Shoot, we could do a whole episode on the anomaly that is Tom King, right? Like the fact. Name another writer who didn't write an ongoing for any character at all, not even their own, until they wrote Batman, and then didn't do it again. Until they wrote Wonder Woman five years later or whatever it is. That's crazy. I, I, I was reading That's something about wild. Tom King recently and uh, someone was saying like Tom King is clearly a novelist who got into comics. Yes. Just the way his structure is for his limited series. And that's I'll why t- that issue 12 is always the epilogue. I'll tell you, even his novel, it feels like a a specific. And for yeah. those of you who who want to learn more about that, we have that on Patreon. That was my most recent post. Literally, his novel is almost like an event book, and it is just consolidated to a no- certain number of issues. He goes in, he comes out, he tells a story, and that's it. And that has been his format from novel form through to comics, with the exception seemingly being Batman. I love it, to be honest. I like how that. You know, like little Bro, consistency. It's yeah. wild. Uh, highly, I, I highly recommend for completionists, uh, but not necessary reading. I don't think for Tom King. I highly re- recommend the Patreon so you can read that whole thing, Marco wrote. So, I'm into this. Obviously, we will be reading it because that's what we do. You can 
hear our thoughts on pals pulls um on this book but yeah i i think i think this is if you want people to buy wonder woman put your top tier creators on wonder woman i say the same thing all the time about black panther and i feel it about wonder woman too if you only ever try to appease the people who want certain creators on it then you will always suffer from lower sales because there are only so many I'll use Black Panther there are only so many black writers that have name recognition that you can put on Black Panther to help it sell but if you're going to put lower rung creators who are making their bones just because they're black then the sales will reflect that if you put Jonathan Hickman on Black Panther, bet you Black Panther sells top 10. Mm. That's what I'm saying. So they're doing it for Wonder Woman. This is the right call. We'll see how they follow up. Let's talk about Flash. Because this one, I had the exact opposite reaction to. (laughs) This has go away heat with me. Whoa. Yes, it does. This This is is coming off the heels. This is coming off the heels of having read Nightcrawler's number two, <laughs> which <Yeah>. which <laughs> made me want to gouge out my eyes. Yep. Due to the amount of wordiness and nonsensicalness, and it's only me. I'm I'm speaking for myself. How uh, Spurrier's writing makes me feel. I'm sorry, but that's how it makes me feel inside. Okay. Not because he's bad, just because I don't get it. And so going from that now to The Flash, Cy Spurrier on The Flash. Now I'm going to have to edit that, Marco. Flash will have the creative team of Cy Spurrier, Mike Diodato Jr. in September for The Flash number one. I am a massive Diodato fan. I don't even want to hear the negative about Diodato. Is but there negative about Diodato? Yes. But uh, this doesn't make any sense. On the flash? Yeah. I yeah, like so. I like Diodato. Same. I okay. found his same. uh I even found his Spider-Man to be really good back in yeah. the day. The Flash, though? Weird. It's almost the exact opposite of what he should be drawn. Like it's impressive. <laughs> yeah. That this yeah. choice is given to Diodato. It's mind-boggling. Like, I don't know anyone in, in, in their right mind who would pick Diodato for a flash book. It's a combination it's, I would have never thought of. Yeah. It's like it's like they took the idea of a perfect writer and artist combo and went instead of meeting in the middle, they went completely opposite directions. <laughs> I, mm, I don't know. I uh, the, the cover the cover gave me like eighties almost sci fi vibes, and I think Diodato works really well in sci fi. I don't know how that'll translate for Flash as a character in that kind of an environment, but the off rip that art slapped for me, connected with me absolutely. It's a good cover, but all that means is Diodato can make covers. <laughs> The, the most recent thing that Diodato did was uh, Not All Robots, I believe, with Mark yeah, Russell. One other right. thing I which, thought yeah. Which is good, yeah. like, because that, that suits him. That plays to his, his like, strengths, you know? It's it's robots. It's very photo-reference-y, you know? 
Um, Flash is the most like golden age superhero. <laughs> But also, Diodato's art is not uh, that kinetic. Like, it doesn't really no, it's not. have that kind of, like, vibrancy that you would anticipate from an mm. artist who's working on Flash. This, look, if you told me Cy Spurrier and Mike Diodato on, like, a lot of other characters, I'm not even going to waste time naming them. I would say, all right, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. This plays yeah. into both writer strengths, whether I, or both creator strengths, whether I like Cy or not. This just feels wrong. Picture all the words from Nightcrawlers with, you know, Mike Diodato art there and the Flash. Yeah. You know, I don't want to read when I read the Flash. I want to see cool shit. The That's other a joke, thing but. is like, you give me this creative team and you say they're on Swamp Thing. I'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. A Justice League Dark book. Sure, I get oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get Constantine. It. This is like, wait, what? You, did you mix up your solicits? And then I saw the image, and I was like, oh, no, this, they're really doing it. Um, but at the same Maybe. time, like, it's not my cup of tea. But also, I'll check it out. You know? That's, that's <laughs> kind of where I'm at, too. <laughs> and not for Spurrier. I, I is, think yeah, they're going yeah. to be testing out the Flash's uh, speed speech on uh, with these panels but uh, and, the, you know, these balloons. But uh, I, I'm interested to see what Diodato will do. Hmm. Uh, Manny says that uh, I guess DC said that they want to change the tone of the flash. What does that he mean? said that, yeah, he said that to me. Did I say something? Yeah, I, ask that, I don't remember. I said um, it's the tone they chose is the brown noise. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't really know uh, what to expect. We do have a solicit. Um, Wally West has never been quicker, more fulfilled more heroic. His loving family is around him, and yet something is off, very off. His evolving understanding of his powers has opened Wally to new adventures, or new avenues of sci-fi adventure, and attuned his senses to strange new ideas. Something whispers from the dark vibrations beyond the Speed Force, and as Wally experiments with creative new approaches to his powers, he encounters new realms, mysterious allies, and mind-shattering terrors. That, that doesn't sound bad. I'm cool with that. I'm 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 up for that conceptually, but uh, I think you know the, the 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 creative team feels like a mismatch. But of course, as ever, we will give this a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason not to. We will be able to read this in June. Uh, June six is when we get the Flash number one. So, you know, I'm willing to give anybody the benefit of the doubt when it comes to telling good stories. You know, they and, deserve a chance. And Sean, this is the main. This is the main title. Yeah. As far as we know, yeah, yeah. this is yeah. this is the Flash number one. All right, cool, Dan, got your answer. On on the other side of the coin, like Jeremy Adams posted, like he was done with the Flash, and I felt bad for him. That was awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so awkward. Did I? Yeah, I mean, I I felt bad for Jeremy because based on the uh the tweet that went out, the announce or you know his response to this, it seemed as though he was blindsided. Yeah. by this and it also seemed yeah. as if he was sad about it it seemed as if he wanted to have more time with the flash and he just did not get that yeah, when they bust out the notes app tweets i'm like oh, oh no yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um which you know look the one minute war hasn't been lighting us on fire necessarily but uh the response to jeremy adams leaving the flash a lot of people were unhappy with that especially mm-hmm. for this 
uh, one thing by that synopsis is it sounds a bit like they're gonna try maybe some of that early flash stuff where he's you know uh, a puppet and you know he's uh, fat and he's a skeleton and he's you know where they do all these different things with the his wacky thing, stuff you know, because right. of his powers and stuff right um which i you know harkens back to something classic about the flash but isn't novel and frankly when sykesbury or try stuff like that it doesn't tend to hit one one thing too and maybe this will make you feel even worse Kel, is they also announced flash 800 which is like an oversized special um, that has a Wally West story written by Mark Wade. Why would that make me? Why would that make that feel worse? Because you just get a little taste instead of getting him as the ongoing writer. I've got, I've got a whole. It's true. I've got it's one true. of those great There's big flash volumes of all by Mark Wade. If I want that, I'll just read that. That's true. That's true. Uh, Comic Boom on YouTube uh, says Sysperia wrote Cosmic Horror with Suicide Squad. Uh, Blaze. It was a black label, and decent, but maybe a cosmic horror approach to Wally can work. One of, I I like that as a concept, but I think in execution it plays out really differently. I, I remember when Cullen Bunn took over Aquaman, like towards the end of New Fifty Two, or yeah, towards the end of New Fifty Two, and like tried to inject that element into it. And uh, I forgot who was on art, but they got somebody to match that same style, that same tone, and it didn't connect it's not the environment for the character to exist in you know, you're underwater and you the murkiness didn't always fit you want something a bit brighter and clearer and then the 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 larger tone of like mysticism and magic getting played in can work but i think to the degree upon which it was it wasn't executed well and this is my only worry for this is you're introducing an outside genre i guess to uh the flash and where that'll fit and where that might go if Sai can handle it well maybe it'll work but i'm skeptical just based off of the way that they've tried to do this with other dc characters i want to read one last comment on this subject that i feel like um accurately sums up how i feel about the tonal shift atomic hound said flash feels like it's going from family ties to the I completely agree. It's uh, just the Twilight Zone. You, you cut there for a second, John. Twilight Zone, yes, sorry. Uh, it's a mismatch. Hopefully it works out. It can. Anything's possible. They're talented creators. Not not ruling them out. But I'm saying, knowing my tastes, that there's a part of this equation that spells doom for me personally. Uh, Atomic Hound just sold me on the book, is what he did. Good. <laughs> I was like, there you go. Shit, Twilight Zone Flash. Okay, yeah, okay. There you go. Tyler's in June six. Um. Well, those weren't the only announcements we got for Dawn of DC. We got a few more. Um. The Dawn of DC Primer is the one that I'm excited for. Uh. So this is what I think Dawn of DC has needed for months. Obviously, it's it's still a relatively new endeavor on DC's part, but I think um, once I explain what it is, you'll understand why I'm saying that DC needed a roadmap for us to sort of get behind and an establishment of what we can expect. So here's the uh, solicit for Dawn of DC Primer. 
For years, Amanda Waller has seen the heroes of the DC Universe as a dangerous threat that could lead to the end of the world. Ever since Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, Amanda Waller has operated in the shadows to collect deadly weapons and to create an army of allies who agree with her. Now, she's forced to bring some of the worst enemies of the DC Universe an offer they can't refuse. The Dawn of DC Primer, written by Joshua Williamson with artwork by Leandro Fernandez, reveals Dawn of DC's secrets, threats, and connective stories in 2023 and beyond. This is coming out on May 6th. 16th, rather. It's coming out a week after Free Comic Book Day. <laughs> Odd. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Maybe they just couldn't get it together in time? A week? That seems purposeful. Yeah. Probably wanted to make people pay for it. <laughs> but it's free. Yeah. Oh, it is. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. You're right. It maybe, is it is a free it's a free book. Maybe to push them to the store twice. I don't know. I thought it was a little weird. Yeah, I could see that. Um so even though I'm on record as having said, and I think we pretty much all agreed that Amanda Waller is sort of a weird choice to be the primary antagonist of the whole DC. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that that's the choice that they made, okay, that's that's cool. Now you need to make me believe that this makes sense. Yeah. And tell me, go to see more of that. Tell me what I can expect. This seems like it's going to do exactly that. I'm glad that Joshua Williamson is still in the driver's seat. And I think this is exactly what I've been needing to reinvigorate myself with my interest in DC post-Dark Crisis. This is like their uh, point one issue or their timeless sort of thing, yeah. Yes, big time. I didn't get an image of the cover because I couldn't find a good quality one. They're like just like Samsung level phone quality. But the uh, <laughs> the characters on it, pretty pretty bog standard DC mainstays. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, Aqualad being in there was it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I think it's more about um, I think it's more about what's on the inside with this one yeah these are the same characters that were in the dcu multicolor panel thing so right uh next up let's talk about steelworks uh warriors book (laughs) so michael dorn who played steel in the superman animated series is going to be writing this with art by sammy bosry And this is the description that DC gives. The metropolis of the future is here today, but can it survive a terrorist who's out for revenge against its builder, John Henry Irons, a.k.a. Steel, and his company Steelworks, and who possesses secrets that could undo everything John has worked so hard to build? While John's professional life is firing on all cylinders, his personal life is even better, as his on-again, off-again relationship with Lana Lang might be back on permanently. Now he must decide whether it's time to give up being Steel once and for all. But does John even know who he would be without his superhero identity? And how does the other Steel, John's niece, Natasha Irons, feel about his momentous decision, monumentous decision? And does any of that matter if Steelworks crumbles around him when he lacks the superpowers to fight back? Sounds like a book with honor. I might uh, crack open a bottle of prune juice while I drink this. These are all Star Trek jokes, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You know what? I have no relationship to Steel. I always thought he was a cool visual in the Death of Superman game. And he was in that. And I really loved that. 
But uh, yeah, never seen him in a comic, I don't think. Not that I can immediately recall. I'm sure it's happened, but this sounds really good. Are you going to pick it up? Well, yeah, of course, because we'll most likely review it. But as far as like my personal interest in it, um, yeah, you know, it, it's it sounds like a story that has some layers and is trying to up the uh, the profile of not only John Henry Irons, but also Natasha Irons. So that's cool. Honestly, what, what interested me about this synopsis was uh, Lana Lang coming back. Haven't seen her in a while. I, I didn't know he, she and John Henry Irons were together. I think it was uh, in Greg Hawk's run, possibly. Lana oh, got yeah. powers for a bit, too. I, um, I think I remember that. Yeah. yeah, she got like the Superman uh, electric powers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think she's a great character, so I'm cool. I'm, I'm excited to see her back. I mean, I, I don't know what Michael Dorn's writing skills are. You know, I love him as an actor. But I, th- I think he is co-writing with who? I didn't, I didn't catch a. Yeah, a I didn't co-writer. see a co-writer on this. That, that's what oh. was what interested me. Because normally, when you get your celebrity writer, yeah, it's like oh, co-writer, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's solo writing this one, Cal. Yeah, by all accounts. That's <laughs> the case. Yeah, this sounds this sounds cool. I I don't think like. Yeah, it's not the biggest creative team in the world. I don't know Sammy Basri's work. They are credited with having worked on Harley Quinn. Um, but okay. uh, yeah, I think this has a shot. And Michael Dorn is a big enough name in, in nerddom, so like this could sell yeah. a book easily. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Wait, Michael Dorn is Worf. He's bro, Worf, bro. Yeah. bro. Come on, we're having this whole conversation. Cal wow. wrote st- Steel Wharfs in the chat. <laughs> We, wow. too busy we went through show? this whole conversation. You didn't cling on to that fact. Nice one. <laughs> that was very well done. Wow. He's uh, made me laugh my hat off. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Let's talk about the last announcement, Hot Girl. So DC saying girl? this is huh? Hot girl? Yeah. Hawk Hawk Girl. Who is also a hot girl? Yeah. Uh, a brand new adventure with sky high action and intrigue begins in Hawk Girl by Jadzia Axelrod. Yep. Another Star and... Trek reference. Huh? Oh. That's a Star Trek reference as well. Oh, really? That's Warp's um, wife. Uh, Jadzia is, uh, plays, uh, Jadzia Dax is a Star Trek Deep Space Nine character that a lot of trans people identify with because their race of alien is, um, Almost very, it's very, it's, it, it mirrors a trans experience. She was a man and now a I woman. Switching. Yeah. Um, and I believe oh. the writer of this book, uh, Jatsia Axelrod, is trans too. So, oh, okay. And then we've got Aman K. Nahulpan. Sorry yeah. if I butchered that. Uh, but they're credited with working on Wonder Woman. And DC says this is going to be following, of course, Kendra Saunders, the winged warrior better known as Hawkgirl, has been one of the DC Universe's greatest heroes for a long time, serving as a member of both the Justice League and the Justice Society. But with the Justice League disbanded, 
Kendra decides she needs a fresh start and heads to Metropolis to begin a new life. That life is quickly interrupted by a mysterious villain with a powerful connection to the nth metal that makes up Hawkgirl's wings and weapons. Hawkgirl will also feature a series of variant covers that recount Kendra's DC history. And it'll be out July 18th. I think this might be the first Hawkgirl ongoing. Hmm. No. In, in 2006, I just looked it up, she took over Hawkman's book and it continued yeah. numbering, but it was Hawkgirl instead. This might be the first Hawk Girl number one. Wow. Interesting. Which is kind of wild. He, I mean, outside of the um outside of the animated series, I, she's not a huge character. Sure, yeah. I, I feel two ways about this. DC has to try to sell us on these new new characters. The ones that they want us, not new, but like the ones that they want us to be uh in the dawn of DC. Mm. And this is a good way to do that. You're putting your money where your mouth is. However, at the same time, I don't feel like based on this solicit, I have to buy this book. I'm like not that excited about it. I'm an idiot. Um, okay. You can click yeah. that, guys. Feel what free. Else? Feel free. Um, I anytime there's a new Hawkman or a Hawk something book, I pick it up. I want to like this character, these characters so bad. Um, they like Hawkman and Hawkgirl yeah. might be one of my favorite designs in comic books. Pretty cool. And like every time I pick it up, it's just like, oh, all right, we're back in time again. All right, it was fine. Um, strangely, I think my favorite one in recent memory was Savage Hawkman. It was like Liefeld. Um, so that that shows where the bar is. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I'm picking this up. I I like this. I want to read a Hawkgirl book. So. I'm with you, Sean. This doesn't interest me. Like, I, I don't necessarily care for the character enough to even want to be interested in it necessarily. Like, I, I haven't had an experience with Hawkgirl in a book. So, I'm not familiar with it. The being disbanded from the Justice League and starting fresh feels clean, but uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't, there's nothing there that's engaging me or pulling me into it. Like, like, like why why do I care that she's gonna start fresh? I'm assuming that happens for every character, regardless, right? Like you, it's gonna be a number one issue or something. It feels pedestrian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I'm with you. Uh, Jatsia, she wrote uh, for DC Galaxy: The Prettiest Star. It was one of those YA um, graphic novels, mm. uh, which I think oh. was her first comic book stuff to write. Mm. Um. I remember seeing the cover for this, and I was like, oh, this looks good. I never read it. I don't know if you guys had any familiarity with it. Galaxy? No. No. Yeah, okay. Definitely not. Uh, I agree with Comic Boom. Comic Boom says, I love Kendra Saunders, but she deserves an established talent. And it's no shade. You know, um, I say these kinds of things a lot, but it's it's not meant to be an offense. Every writer has to make their bones somewhere. And it's good for DC to give, and Marvel, for them to give you know, newer creators an opportunity. It just sucks that, you know, that's likely to lead to lesser sales and it's likely to lead to cancellation within 10 issues as these things tend to happen. And then if you're a big fan of that character, you're left waiting for the next Kendra Saunders number one, which as we can tell, it, this is the first time. So it's probably not going to happen again anytime soon unless this is gangbusters, which it could be, but, you know, Overall, uh, when we look at all these announcements, I think that 
I think that now we have a clearer picture of what the Dawn of DC is going to be uh, with the Dawn of DC primer. I like that we now know Wonder Woman's trajectory, which was a big question mark for a while that I wish was not a question mark. Um, I think I think this is good. And we know what the next event is. we got the Night Terrors thing coming. Uh, I, I like where we're at. And then once we get past Night Terrors, then I want to know what's the next phase. But this is good for now. I'm excited about the way that they're shaking it up. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But I think the willingness to is bodes well for me to be interested in future DC books. Mm. Oh yeah, Atomic Hound. If Atomic Hound says if Hawk Girl goes 18 issues, it will be a significant win. I agree. If you can yeah, get yeah. if you can get past, I would say a couple of arcs in today's age without a name on the book, that is Success. significant. Yeah. yeah. Uh Kingdom Kingdom said the same thing on the Twitch chat about uh uh if this ends up this ends up being one of those books that after the eighth issue you hear on Twitter, and it's like, oh yeah, it's actually pretty good. Could be. Yeah. Could be. We shall see. So that's it for the DC portion of of all their announcements. We got so much more show for you guys. So, so much more show. I want to talk to you guys about a show that's coming in the future, though. Because on April 1st, and no, this is not an April Fool's joke. This is not any kind of joke. In fact, on April 1st, we will be having the incomparable, the legendary Jeff Johns returning to the podcast. We did a two-hour epic with Jeff Johns back in September, and we're going to do it again in April. Not necessarily two hours. I have no idea how long it's going to be. We're going to do. We're going to have a great conversation. At that point, Junkyard Joe will have ended, so we'll be able to talk about that. Mm. Uh, we'll be able to talk about like the Geiger movie announcement stuff, which happened just shortly after our interview with Jeff and all sorts of other things. We want you guys to take part in this as well. We're going to be running or we are running right now. The Jeff Johns Geiger giveaway, which runs from whenever you're hearing this until the 31st of March. Till we stop and, talking about it. <laughs> and if you want to enter, all you have to do is be subscribed to us on YouTube, following us on Twitch, send us a question or a comment for Jeff Johns, if you're a member of our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the comics pals, you're, um, you're, you're getting two entries instead of one or plus two entries instead of one. So you'll be, you'll be way ahead of the curve on, on everybody else. Um, and then live on April 1st, we will, we will put everybody's name in a randomizer. Everybody who submitted a question, everybody that's valid. And by valid, I mean, you're a subscriber. Uh, and that person will win a copy of Geiger, the trade. So um, if you want a copy of Geiger, if you want to ask Jeff Johns a question or leave him a comment, send those our way. Are you guys excited for Jeff Johns? I, I guess. I'm excited to meet him. I didn't get a chance to last That's time. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Marco, missing missing the big moments. <clears throat> oh, you know how it is. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, to plan a kingdom, uh, if we can Amazon it to you, I guess we will, right? <laughs> like, like well, it's not. 
what I want to do is literally just buy it on Amazon and send it directly to the person. Yeah. So, you know, all all they would need to do is give us their address and we'll take care of the rest. So their address and the times are they aren't home. <laughs> I can't think of a reason unless you guys can correct me. I can't think of a reason why this has to be US only. I mean, if you're like Antarctica or, you know, like something China like remote, something. you know, then maybe it gets complicated, but and worst case scenario, we can send a digital version. But my uh, goal, our goal is to send a physical trade to the individual who wins. Sure. So. We, if you want Geiger and you want to uh, participate, get in. We'll figure it out. Exactly. That's our you, promise. You will get the Geiger trade. Well, however we have to. Be we'll there. send Marco on a walkabout and hand deliver it if we have to. <laughs> Easy. I'm trying to go on vacation around the world. Let me know where you live and I will meet you there. Well, not always. Hold on a second. Let's not let's not put that out there. It's only one book, too. It's not like we're shipping like a, a statue. It's like <laughs> ship me, exactly. frankly. Marco, you think you could probably fit in some luggage? Oh, uh, like I haven't tried before. Yeah, Marco, where's the small smallest spot you ever try to fit into? Um, you're oh, it's was gonna be mean. <laughs> What's next, Sean? What's next are the plugs. That's what you say after that? Speaking, <laughs> Speaking, of, Speaking of, of Marco, I had to go. <laughs> of course I do. Small parts of Marco that things have been in. Anyway, uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash the comics pals is the absolute best way to support the show. And we appreciate every single person that does that. Uh, that's what helps keeps the li- keep the lights on. It helps us you know, continue to produce the kind of content that hopefully you enjoy. Uh, for three dollars a month, which is the less than the price of Kale, my antique pipe. Oh, wow. whoa! What if we did a gimmick, Kale, where every week I say that and you present something different? Uh, my man, that was the unsaid part. <laughs> <laughs> You get access to our Patreon page. You get access to our newsletter. You get the ability to vote in the book club poll, um, which is fully Patreon voted. Like patrons choose our book clubs every single month. Uh, you get early access to the book club as well. Early access to any any exclusive YouTube content we do. Uh, you get howling around, which is our Patreon exclusive show, and. You get a superhero or supervillain nickname and a shout out on this very podcast. So we are saying thank you to Thunderstruck, Rebecca Alejandro, The Night Stalker, Harris Najinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Random Rocio, Kefis the Incorruptible, The Great Destroyer, Hyper Viper 89, Momentum, Mike Elliott, Starcross, Catherine Stars, Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound, Dan the Truth Trudeau, and Joel Justice. Thank you all so so much we appreciate you and uh thank you to to plan three kingdom for uh subscribing on uh twitch oh beautiful thank you so much it's fantastic we appreciate that a lot the other thing i wanted to mention was the merch store that we sort of relaunched last week we talked about that um tyler is currently holding up the comics pals mug which is so nice looking i can't wait to order mine and literally if you just check out the page if you just look at the store 
I think you'll find something that you you might wanna you might wanna you know pick up. It's a lot of fun. There's fun gimmicky stuff. There's you know there's a lot of kind of goofiness on there, um and 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 things that you might use in your practical life like cups or a book bag or a bra with Marco's face on it. Please purchase. Uh, oh, I know it's all accounts. Comics pals, action figures, yo. If we get our own Funko Pops, that's it. I, I'm done. Funko Pops. No, yo. that 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 bubble's bursting right now, dude. Yeah. Perfect time for us to get in. <laughs> That's not how those things. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Kale, you're muted. You, Kale. Yeah. Yeah. I've wanted an action figure of me my whole life. I knew you were going to say that. And that is so <laughs> fucking egotistical. But I completely <laughs> agree with you. Listen, me too, dude. You, you guys think I'm looking at you on this Zoom call? <laughs> Fair. Fair. Oh, I mean, man. that's anyone who does a podcast, though, right? It's just the only good part about being on YouTube is I can look at myself while I'm doing this. <laughs> I was I was literally going to say if I could have a bobblehead or or a or a Funko of any, I would want Kale's. I want to like have it sitting next to me and just whenever I feel like it, just flick the head and watch the head bounce and bobble around. Well, my Fun. wife does. <laughs> he flicks the head and watches it bobble oh, around. You know, you know it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Makes a mess. If you want to watch this show live, you can do that on Twitch and YouTube every single Saturday at 10 15 a.m. Eastern. If you want to watch Pals Pulls live, that's our show where we review comics. You can do that every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. We got a lot of shows, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on and you can follow all of that on social at the comics pals. And if you want, you can join our discord server to hang out with us and uh, continue the conversations that start on this show and have conversations that actually never get brought up on this show. So uh, you want to do that. And the last thing I will, I will let you guys know is that we are currently 17 subscribers away from 1000 on YouTube and Kale will do a backflip when we get to a thousand. Need to see that. Need to see that. All the training that Kale's been doing, all the physical exercise, the running, the pumping, it's all leading to this moment. The back pumping? Well, the flicking, apparently. Okay, got it. Pumping, flicking, running. Bop it. (laughs) (laughs) Twist it. Join join the Discord to to go see that progress as well. Bro, I've been working. Yeah, I see it. Love it. So help us get there. Help us get there. You've been working, as have the other pals who we have a Wildcats boxing uh, gym chat, which has been like a really good supportive thing. So if you're also looking to work out while you're reading and listening to your podcast about comics, there it is. I just want to see Kale like go full Scorpion, like just do a backflip and just like scorp out, like not make it. <laughs> Why would you say that? I don't know. I like seeing people get if hurt. I don't, if I don't make it, I could be paralyzed. <laughs> Yeah, that was dark. That was dark. But, just commit. Uh, to, just commit to the jump, like as hard as you can. Yeah, that's how you. That's yeah. Everyone can backflip if they just commit. Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, look, let the listeners have their say, Tyler. Let's let's get to the listener. Comments. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get to my uh, slide real quick. Hold on. All right, I gotta go. Everybody was very very positive about Twilight of, of the superheroes. By the way, we really appreciate all the the kind words. We included what we could. Yeah, so we got some uh, people talking. Uh, yeah, so uh, Tom Account, great show again, pals. The best, most civil and reasonable comics conversation show on the interwebs. Hey, thank you. 
I disagree. <laughs> no, you know. It's... Well, well, now I'm back, so. Yeah, the civility yeah. is out the window. Uh, goodbye. We'll get, to, we'll get to bully Marco again. Trust me, it's, com- <laughs> it's coming up. Um, uh, Daniel Ugalde said uh, that Jeff Johns announcement was chef's kiss perfect. You guys ever have a chef kiss you? Yes. Okay, Marco, we, we know globetrotting fucking... So, Not well, knowingly. I, I, hmm. Next. Ouroboros Snake. Twilight of the Superheroes. You did amazing, guys. You did amazing, Thank Sean. You. Cal and I just reacted. I, I pressed the button I, to make yeah, slides go through. Shit. So, yeah. Well, me sitting here and droning on might not be as interesting without people to bounce off of. So, you know, we all did a great job. Uh, yeah. You know who did a great job setting the internet, well, comics Twitter, rather, on fire this oh, week? Dummy. Elon? No. Oh, no, that's just Twitter in general. Never mind. <laughs> uh, at J 47 who I believe was the person who uh, is the, the first person to put this tweet up. Oh. And I thought this was phenomenally interesting, people's different takes. So, of course, we have to do it here. Here's what at J 47 asked on Twitter. Name five DC heroes that would have been pro-registration in Marvel's Civil War. So what I'm asking right now in this hot topic is what five DC heroes do you think would have been on the side of pro-registration, on the side of the government, in a hypothetical civil war? And I think I I I don't know if I'm if I'm taking the concept beyond what uh Marcin intended, but let's say this is not happening in Marvel. This is happening in DC. Yeah. That's the prompt, no? I, I thought think... maybe they meant like if this happened, right? Like Mar in Marvel, and you had five heroes from DC who were in this situation, like who were in Marvel or whatever. Who would side with Iron Man? Oh. But maybe that's that. Maybe that wasn't what they meant. But that's where my head went. Uh, yeah, I read I, it as like, D- what does DC Civil War look like? Right, right. Like okay. Between pro registration and non. Um, well, let's then I, let's not let's not establish a whole story. Just who would be pro reg? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was reading. Right, I, I yeah. think one thing for me is, I think the Trinity has to be off the table for this to work. I disagree. Oh, but, here we sorry. fucking go. Continue, continue, continue. Sorry, I jumped in too early. Kale, sorry. Jeez. I'm still getting Kale my list ready. I have an opinion right on I'm this still, podcast. I'm still getting apparently. my list ready, so you guys can keep going. Oh. I think I th- I think I think the ones that ha- that will be off the table story-wise are Superman and Batman. Because Yeah, I agree. I I I think Superman will take that Stephen Strange route and he'll get off planet. He'll disappear. Uh Batman will be so anti-reg, he'll make robots and lock himself in the cave. So I I simply don't think story-wise Batman will work. I I disagree because I like the idea that they the Trinity themselves hold so much weight 
that their choices have that many more implications. So Superman, let's say, uh, choosing, let's say he decides to abstain, right? There will be a, pop, a, a population of people who also abstain and would rather just continue to, well, would, would rather not get involved on like the, the conversation. And Batman would be anti immediately and his whole swath of people. Like, like there, there's, so, there's so many connected families that by having those players in play, you can shift dramatically the direction upon which that narrative might go. Wonder Woman as well, all of the Amazonians in that, well, not all of them, but like those that are active, the Superman family. Um, I think my five were- uh, Swamp Thing. <clears throat> no, Swamp Thing would be for nature and like just destroying the world, so it's fine. But like Booster Gold, Nightwing. I changed Green Arrow to uh, Flash. Wait, wait, what was the uh, second one? <clears throat> sorry? What was the second one? Uh, Red Tornado. And uh, <laughs> you coward. <laughs> and Superman. I think those would be the five. I I gotta go. Yep. I gotta go. Yep. Let's all get our five out there first before we just tear this one to shreds. Okay. I'm gonna have to. I gotta think and write this down. Can we tear I, it to I'm shreds gonna, first? I'm gonna. I'm gonna wrap real quick. I am going to be a douche right now. Okay. I'm gonna I have to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to abstain from this. What? Yes. No. I'm gonna explain why. I'm gonna explain why. I think this is a bullshit premise. Yeah. And I think that even the question is a fundamental misunderstanding of DC to the point where I don't think that there's any world in which this could even happen because DC and Marvel are so unbelievably different. I just don't think. There's no there's no Superman equivalent in, in, in Marvel. You can't even say Hulk. You can't because they obviously Marvel took certain people off the board. They took Thor off the board, Hulk, Doctor Strange, because they didn't want they knew that those characters' power would warp the the story. Whichever side they were on, it would be way too much. And I think that's the same case with DC. The same exact kind of Civil War, which is NDC. How do you come back from something like well, that? They're way, way too powerful for something like this. DC also, like, as I'm looking through the characters and I was getting my list together, they also have, like, aliens, Martian Manhunter, Superman, where, like, it doesn't really fit, really, with, like, like it's well, Captain America. It's like, you know, these are Americans, you know, these are, it's the world outside your window. Um, right. Mm. DC's much more fantastical, really, so it's not as ground in reality, I feel. You can't outlaw the Flash. You cannot outlaw Superman. Can you, can't, catch yeah. you can't stop them from doing what they want to do. You can't control them. You can't put Superman in a room with Amanda Waller and have her say, hey, yeah, we're doing this uh, pro-registration thing. You're going to be down, right? And then when Superman says no, mm. she has her goons try to shoot him, so he has to escape. You can't stop Superman. You can't tell him what to do. I just don't think the story works, and so I don't even want to... I don't have an opinion about who would be what because I don't believe in it. What if you heighten the story and it's like no aliens are around and they start, you know, locking them all up, you know? How, how could you? I don't know. You, you, you make some kind of, you know, so they, they tap jail or something. Amanda Waller gets a speed force weapon. I don't know. You know, like it's comic book. You write it. You know, <laughs> you come up with it. Superman's been depowered before. You figure it out. Um, I don't think yeah. I'm not. I'm not into that. It would have to be I, completely I don't think that different. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. 
But I can still tell you Marco's wrong. Um, that yeah. I can say as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say I'll say my five. Uh, Pro Reg, Batwoman, Hal Jordan, Jaime Ooh. Reyes. What? Jaime Reyes. Uh, I can one, see that. Wonder Woman and Aquaman. What comic books are you reading? DC Comics. I I don't agree with Hal Jordan at all. I think he's got the reputation of a cop, but I don't think that's fair. I'm thinking – no, I'm thinking because I think Jon Stewart is the one they suspect, but I, I, I picture Jon Stewart in a more of a Steve Rogers role, and I just want a foil to it. You know, I think you right away for Hal Jordan to work. And I Wonder think, you Woman. Know, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think no. Yeah, I think, it's a, I think no it's a dignitary thing no. with Aquaman as no well. Way. It becomes a, a a diplomatic issue. No, I think what? Why they don't? What are they? What are they afraid of? Right. Well, that's why they join. Yeah, because they what, don't see so, an issue. They're not. They're not. Af- you know, afraid of whatever. They're doing it to put everybody on and uh, a level playing field. No, yeah. but see, I I disagree to that. I think Aquaman and Wonder Woman would abstain because they are would say no because who? Why do they care? They have their own kingdoms. They act. They are active in the states. But then you have people who are afraid of the fact that they're saying no to that. And then you have Superman in line to be like, well, we have this guy. We'll fuck you up regardless. Like, like the, the, that becomes Superman too, would never. Yeah, in my mind, all, Superman does Superman not work would at never, all. This, yeah, he would never. This say is fuck. the way that I. <laughs> he's a, he's a Deus, Deus Ex Machina. Right? Everything all. he's in. Yeah. Mm. All right. Here's here's my here's my list. Um, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Guy Gardner, Captain Adam, Damian oh. Wayne, and Hawkman. Oh, Damian Wayne. I like how everyone has to. There has to be a Bat character in it. Surely, I think there are some that make sense. Yeah. Damian Wayne to me would be in it for uh, catching people. He w- he would love <laughs> that power. He's the Punisher. Yeah, in, in a way, okay, yeah. like the opposite of it. Yeah, okay. Uh, and Hawkman's just—I mean, he's right wing all the way, so to speak. Yeah, so Dan, Dan's right. Like Superman can't fit in this. He has to be off the board, like in any any iteration, you know. And then you get into fascist Superman uh, on either end, and it gets messy. But I, in Again. my head, like, uh, Jaime Reyes is the Spider-Man, you know, equivalent, yeah. you know, so. I think, yeah, I think there's a lot you can yeah. do with and that. It, and I think Hal being on an opposing side is good stuff with uh, uh, Wally, who would, or, or sorry, Barry, who would completely not be pro-reg. Um, so I'm, oh, I'm I thinking, disagree. Um, oh, you, really? Yeah, yeah. I think I think you get this would be one of those that where you get the older heroes against the younger ones. Mm. I think most of the Titans would be anti. Agreed. Yeah. But you get people like Barry, who is a cop. Uh again, that's where you get like the cool stuff against Barry against Wally. And, you know, it's it'd be one of those things where it's like, uh, well, their final uh, uh speed battle. Just a giant anime battle with Linkin Park playing in the background. Yeah, absolutely. That's the other thing with this is that I have a really hard time. I have a hard time buying that a lot of these characters would even hit each other. I just, I just, yeah. and so the, the Marvel, yeah. the Marvel characters are more emotionally driven, and they and all want to punch them each other in the face. The yeah. stakes, <laughs> the stakes for them in Civil War were a lot higher because it actually affected them. Like, yeah, Spider-Man is impacted by this. Luke Cage, Daredevil, Cap. I just don't think the Flash is impacted by it. You cannot stop him. So how can you outlaw him? 
the the closest thing to a civil war that we've had in DC is Identity Crisis. Um, Kingdom Come. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking like main continuity. Uh, yeah, sure. Sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like Sean, we just read Adventures of Superman, John Kent. Um, and like they explicitly say like the the heroes fighting heroes thing is boring. Let's just you know talk it out with him in like a Zor El, you know, or a or Jet, right. Jar, whatever that that other Superman's name is, but. DC's, you know, uh, mythological characters, these larger-than-life characters, don't have the Achilles heel of extreme hubris or some, like, personality defect that, you know, the North Norse mythology gods have or the Greek mythology gods have. They don't, they don't have that maliciousness in them or anything like that into battle, so... Um, it's a fun thought experiment, but the reality of it, I don't think is there, but it well, is what, fun. What if somebody was just like, started to pass a law? I was like, actually, I don't want Superman in Metropolis. It makes me scared. No, let's not talk about Superman. Uh, Marco, uh, Nightwing. Yeah, bro. There, there, there have definitely been examples where he has leaned into being like, not necessarily the authority figure, but wanting to do good, but through, uh through more like legit means that his even the most recent arc like he's trying to uh side with was it the police commissioner who happens to be his like sister or something um to be able to work more closely with them because he wants a more fair justice because he doesn't necessarily agree that his version of it is the ideal way call a night yeah, with a bootlicker that that also doesn't mean he's gonna drop his identity because somebody asked him to why not if he's willing to go if he's willing to go through through because he swore on a bible in a cave with a candle (laughs) and made a promise as an eight-year-old what the fuck and he based his whole life around it what the fuck do you mean he can't fucking change dude anyone that That why not do you mean (laughs) i can't even believe that why not anyone raised by bruce wayne is anti-reg that's why I think Damien and Batwoman are like the outliers. I agree. I, I think he wants to be a good boy, like follow. Yeah. You, follow you heard the that? Rule. You heard it here first, guys. Marco thinks he could be a good boy only by being big government and a cop. I gotta, I gotta go take a blood pressure pill. <laughs> I got my heart rate up so much. What do you mean? Why not? Why? We not? also, we also have to keep in mind what happened in Civil War. Like it wasn't just. You know, the pro registration running around and locking up anyone. They were specifically locking up other heroes, i.e., their own friends. And what reality is Nightwing locking up his own friends? Uh, uh, Ulysses, classic, classic Ulysses on YouTube says, uh, in Sean Murphy's uh, reality, and that's what Nightwing's doing. <laughs> yeah, remember that? That's absolutely <laughs> true to a degree, and yeah. that yes, Nightwing is a cop in that book, but. I don't know. I also to, to me, don't agree with the characterization of Nightwing in that either. Yeah. Be that well, as it may, like that's that. a different universe. They could, sure. Scott, Sean Murphy could 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 have Nightwing turn into the devil if he wanted to. Or a landlord. It doesn't matter. Like in mainline continuity, Nightwing ain't doing that. There's a book where Superman is is a Russian, you know, uh uh, uh um I, I don't know what you want to call him. He he's born in Russia or he lands on Russia and he's you know a villain, essentially. That can happen, but mainline Superman? Come on. Uh, agree to disagree. Agree, agree that you're your wrong. Come, I see. Shove my foot up your ass. That's yeah, go ahead. Happen. Go ahead. Come through. 
don't think he my door's like wide open. Job. My door's wide like open. I'll cook you a nice lunch. Like we're here. Oh, this is romantic. Look like a nice lunch. So you're gonna cook. You're gonna cook him lunch, and then he's gonna stick his foot up your butt. Yeah, Marco usually has to pay for that, so that works out. <laughs> wow. Trust me, those rates are they're rough these days. They're coming up, dude. This economy. Unbelievable. All right. Well, let's move on from the Comics Pal Civil War. <laughs> and <laughs> and right, Civil War is three on one. Comics Pal's gangbang. Well, there oh, were multiple. There, Hold on. There were angles there because I vehemently disagree on Wonder Woman as well. And Same. Aquaman. So, you know, there's there's many angles. But uh let's let's get back into the announcements because we've got a major one coming from Marvel this time. As uh, Marvel has announced a new creative team for the Incredible Hulk. So Hulk has been in a bit of a weird spot recently. Uh, Donny Cates and Ryan Otley's run was hotly anticipated. I would say that it was moderately well received. I think that there were some criticisms. I know that I wasn't in love with it. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be in terms of how much I would like it, regardless of what the premise was. And then, of course, um, Donnie Cates' personal life has sort of blown up. And uh, Donnie Cates is working on allegedly working on something with C.B. Sabolsky that requires him, coupled with his real life issues, to step away from the Hulk, which we have seen happen. Ryan Otley actually took over as writer artist uh, to close out the run and end the series now we have gotten an announcement about who will take over and we have philip kennedy johnson oh who is just the hottest writer in comics right now right like hot hand right now yeah teaming up with nick klein who is fresh off of thor another book impacted by donny cates's uh issues who is jumping over to work on Incredible Hulk. Nick Klein. Hmm. Hmm. I have a question. Phil Kennedy Johnson at the gate, I trust him at this point. I I will pick this up for him specifically. Oh, Nick Klein looks good. Yeah, yeah Nick come on. Good. Put some respect on Nick Klein's name. I don't, um, I don't, I don't Sean, know are you going to read the synopsis? Yeah. Okay. I just want to give a, you guys a, the... I have uh, a question there about that. Okay. So uh, here we have it. Um, as an enraged Hulk tries to take control of Bruce Banner's body permanently, a mysterious immortal turns every monster in the Marvel Universe against Banner in an attempt to free their creator, the primordial mother of horrors. With the help of an unlikely new friend, Banner and Hulk must try to stop the world from getting plunged into darkness. Question on the unlikely new friend. Mm-hmm. If you look at the cover, somebody's behind Hulk. Is that Deadpool? Oh, I can see it. Deadpool, who most recently was the king of the monsters. Oh, and he's doing like he's doing like this. It looks like with the hands. Yeah. Huh. I can kind of see that. Because unlikely is like, oh, it's going to be a cheeky thing, you know. And and Deadpool and monsters are a thing. He controlled all of them for a while. So. I mean, I I wouldn't be mad at that. Me neither. It's not a character I would expect PKJ to write. I mean, neither is Hulk, but (laughs) so. Um, I'm interested in this. Uh, who's too. on this cover? 
Is this Nick Klein on cover. the cover? Yeah, yeah. Dude, Ooh. Nick Klein. Yo, you're you're sleeping on Nick Klein, dude. Yeah, apparently. I like this. Uh Nick Klein worked on some of Donny Kate's Thor. Okay. Real good stuff. Uh Nick Klein also worked on some Doctor Strange, I believe. I think Donny Kate's is Doctor Strange. I like this almost like pencil style. Uh it looks like almost like colored pencil, some um like watercolor mix in, in it. If he's doing the same coloring and then the art itself looks like somebody Jeff Lemire would work with. So I'm I'm really excited about this for a few reasons. Uh, Nick Klein is phenomenal. Yeah. Philip Kennedy Johnson has the hot hand right now. Hulk is a character that Marvel clearly identifies as. I mean, listen, the Hulk is one of the most popular superheroes of all time. And I think especially with a slightly older crowd than ours, Hulk is one of the first heroes that a lot of people learned about so whenever there is a hot creative team on hulk it's done well we learned that from al ewing and then of course that did continue with donny cates so i believe that philip kennedy johnson and nick klein's run will be a success in that regard they put a creative team together they can get the job done on top of that i like the fact that philip kennedy johnson talks about how they're going to be returning back to the uh jekyll and hyde uh, aspect yeah. of the Hulk that sounds fun I'm into that Um, I just can't I this seems like a no miss like it cannot miss that's how this feels to me Atomic Hound on YouTube says Hulk is a top 20 uh, maybe top 10 book with this creative team probably yeah as long as they get the job done yep I'm Kale? not sold why Um, I think the return to form with the Hulk turns me off. Uh, I'll check it out. PKJ, PKJ's earned my vote for sure. Uh, but I just like, especially after Al Ewing's run, I'm not crazy about the return to the Jekyll and Hyde, Bruce Banner wandering the country mm. situation. Mm. I I think post I think post Kate's and Otley I'm ready for that because mm. their run was like Space Hulk and it was so yeah. I felt alienated from it because it just wasn't anything like I've seen the Hulk before and coming off of Al Ewing's run which was brilliant and really grounded but also went to some dark places and supernatural places seeing the Hulk go into space in this way not go into space but like have more yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of a spacey sci-fi adventure it, it turned me off so going back to the monsters getting back into the the grit and grind the Jekyll and Hyde I'm very very into that but I can also see someone wanting the Hulk to push forward mm, yeah I just feel like we spent so much time with like you know the family of Hulk's that we got a few years ago, and yeah, I feel like they wore the Hulk out. I think I, I I can definitely see why the impulse is to sort of take take him back mm-hmm. is because how much further can you go? Agreed. You know, you've already made him immortal and killed him how many times? <laughs> like, where else can you go? Uh, Shenron in the Twitch chat says, "I hope this is not horror work. So let's do it again." Sometimes that can backfire and lose the fuel for a horror Hulk. I think that's a fair point. Like this looks like 
leaning back into some of those horror elements just because we know that that was a really popular run. And similar to other stuff, uh, like a conversation earlier about like The Flash, if that's the plan, then it needs to work if you're going to play with the genre at that point. Um, but to diversify it to this, I think to your point, Sean, right now, it probably feels good. Uh, it feels good to come back to that. Even right. The and again, like it's it. not like the argument of um, like, it's, this is not a new idea, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't feel like Philip Kennedy Johnson is stretching the Hulk by doing this. I think Kate's was stretching the Hulk. Mm. And whether you like that or not, like, I think the concept was stretching the Hulk and banner. This is the rubber band retracting 100 percent. And I like it. I like a more traditional Hulk. Story. Even so far as to bring back the Incredible Hulk title. Right. Is a thing as well. Yeah. Even the cover and direct homage to Incredible Hulk number one, I believe. Yeah. 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 I love it. I, I can't wait. Uh, we will be getting this. This is coming out on June 21st. I thought Philip Kennedy Johnson was going DC exclusive. What would have really hoped? Did. Yeah. I wonder if they dropped the ball on him. Dan said that in chat. He's like, it, they they should have uh, surprised that you know DC didn't do that. I I think they missed the opportunity, frankly. Same with Stephanie Phillips. She's getting a lot of Marvel stuff too. I'm like, oh, or independent stuff even. Yeah, yeah. I think both companies. This is just my thought. I think both companies are about to go on a run of exclusivity, but only if they can afford to pay. We saw a lot of the exclusivity dip when we learned behind the scenes that both Marvel and DC were paying their creators less in those exclusive contracts. It is no surprise. It should be no surprise why writers like Snyder and Morrison have jumped off the exclusivity ship. Bendis jumped off the exclusivity ship. These writers don't do it anymore. And I think that's why, but the, I guess B tier rising stars, they can, that's a different story. So, so uh, uh, Jeremy Adams, Marvel book one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Maybe after this, maybe after this flash fiasco. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that 100%. Again, June 21st. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, same. Yeah, we'll be talking about that. You know what else is going to be a lot of fun? Marvel's 60th anniversary live virtual event for the X-Men. So, of course, the X-Men uh, were created in 1963. Wow. Yeah, a That's long wild. time ago. That's wild. Yes. Uh, I wasn't even... Uh, I wasn't even living in, in, uh, in the balls of my father at that time. <laughs> I thought you were going to find a graceful way of saying that. And you went, <laughs> I thought you know. about doing that, but then I was like, eh. You weren't even a swimmer in your dad's sack, you know? No, I wasn't. Not even <laughs> close, in fact. Yeah. Uh, almost 30 years ahead of my birth. But uh, the, the reason why we're talking about this, the reason why I'm so excited for it, is that the aforementioned Grant Morrison will actually be partaking in this. For those of you who aren't aware, Grant Morrison is the writer behind New X-Men. From 2001, this is a phenomenal X-Men run. You guys ever do a book club on it? No. Ooh. It's 40 issues. 
Well, yeah, no, Beast. Yeah. New X-Men. No. I have it. Uh, drawn no. by Frank Quitely, Marco. Yeah, oh no, God. I have it. I have it. I've, I've read the first two volumes of it. I've not gone beyond that, though. Morrison really revolutionized the X-Men and took the took what Claremont did and said, okay, this is all phenomenal. This is the bones, but now we're going to take it into the 2000s. Now we're going to make this something that modern audiences can can pick up and enjoy and understand the same evolution that we saw with Hickman. So Grant Morrison being a part of this is major. And a large reason why is that since new X-Men, we haven't seen Morrison really interact with Marvel. So yeah, my question is not that I believe this. My question is, do you think that this is a precursor to a Morrison return to Marvel comics? It has to be right. Yeah. It has to be. Not you can't No. You can't you can't push this forward with Gmo leading and not be like, oh, that's right, they're they're coming on to Mark Silvestri's there too. They have plenty of people who are iconic too. I think Claremont's mm-hmm. there as well. They're Claremont's just, there. They're just yep. crossing their T's dot in their eyes. Yeah. That, with yeah, with on. the level of influence this run has, like to include Grant would be or to not include Grant would be yeah. insane. It's probably a nice paycheck for them, you know. Like I don't, I don't blame yeah. them. I mean, the way that the X line is going right now, people f- maybe falling off, not feeling as confident. You bring somebody with that kind of caliber onto it, X can pop off. I don't think he'd want to do it. I think he's explicitly stated yeah. like he doesn't has no interest in doing that again, or, or they, uh, they they they've they, yeah. no interest in doing it. The, I would know. I would like to know their opinion on what uh the Krakoa stuff. I bet um, they'd like it. It's it's a live it's a QA, right? Yeah. Gripe. I got a gripe. Okay. I keep getting uh push alerts because I have a, I have Marvel Unlimited. Um I get push alerts to sign up for this. So the app brings me to Zoom and I have to log in with Gmail and it says you can't log in with Gmail and then it just closes it and then there's no link on the main page. I have to wait for another notification to come through, which I don't even know. They're like, well, we'll email you a link to join the Zoom. I haven't got an email at all. It's the process what? of getting on this damn uh, uh, signed up for this has been a pain in the ass. I got to say. When is this thing? It 16th. is on Thursday, this Thursday, March 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern. The ending our pals polls at 7 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 legit, Tyler, if you if you were to decide to like maybe. Uh, share this i would love to watch i have uh no idea if that's uh i will Let's, not be doing that yeah yeah of course yeah no yeah. no that sounds wrong sean yeah that's yeah. true it's immoral mm-hmm. yeah it's immoral <laughs> x-men <laughs> so in a grant and chris claremont we do have walt and louise simonson rob liefeld mark silvestri jerry duggan jonathan hickman and many more we will also be having guests from the X-Men animated series um, and the X-Men 97 animated series that's coming from Disney+. Plus. So mm. if you are a Marvel Unlimited annual pass holder, um, you will have access to this event. And I am so bummed that I am not that because I want to see Grant talk Marvel comics. Oh, my God. If you sign up now, Sean. You can get a red and yellow suit Daredevil Marvel Legends action figure. Yo, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. 
Which is funny because my, my subscription uh, expires in April. So good timing, guys. Are you going to re-up or no? Uh, probably. I've used Marvel Unlimited a good amount. Um, uh, I can justify it, I think. It's been – like I used it on Pals Pulse recently when I wanted to go back and read those yeah. Spider-Man issues that we talked about. Yeah. Fucking read them. Um, yeah. It's, 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 I recommend it. If you, if you can do it, do it. All right. I might have to. I might, it's, and it would be for Grant. I don't even care about being – I don't want to read comics digitally. Who cares? I want to see Grant talk X-Men. I'll pay – what is it, $60? Um, I think so. If you want the – if you want like the box that comes with it, it's like 90 to 99 I think, for like the physical goods. But oh, honestly, so I'm going to pay $100 to listen to Grant talk is what you're well, I mean, if you want to flip – if you want to flip the stuff that's in the box, like there was like a peach mocha in my box, peach mocha variant that like you can make your money back and more if you sell it individually. I mean, if you're, you know, entrepreneurial, I looked into it. Right. Mm. I would keep it. But yeah, this to me is is super hype. I can't wait. And you know, you know, there's going to be some X related announcement that comes out of this, right? Surely. Yeah, there has so. to be. Maybe they can finally confirm whether or not Wolverine has two penises. The question on everybody's mind. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk about Daredevil. Speaking about penises. What? Daredevil's gets around. Hello? Okay. Yeah. He is a fuckboy. Yeah, that's true. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That was a stretch of a segue, but you know. I I don't think so. I think it was pretty apt. We just saw Daredevil fuck on She-Hulk, so. Um, just six months ago yeah in the grand scheme <laughs> Sean, of comics we talked got about it. 60 years of x-men yeah. i can't reference something from six months ago kale in pop culture come on yeah <laughs> and also and also given the topic you're going to oh, yeah you're playing you're playing with dangerous water my man that's where i live in daredevil's dangerous water Hey, what's up, Kale274? First time chatter. Thank you for joining. Oh, that's your dad? It's my dad, yeah. Oh my God. Tyler's dad. I've been dying to meet Tyler's dad. Thank you for joining. That's awesome. I heard that you are. Wait, what's your dad's name? I don't want to be rude. His name is Keith, and he is also a fan of The Wire, Sean. That's what I was going to say. I heard that you are a, a fan of The Wire. I'm a super fan of The Wire of 20 years plus. And I just love the fact that you're such a fan. And I heard, can I say this, Tyler? I mean, I don't know what you're going to say, but yeah. The David Simon? Oh, that he talked to David Simon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, and that's cool too. And I can only imagine how amazing it was to speak with David Simon because David Simon is such a genius. I'm sorry I'll get off my soapbox about that. (laughs) Harris Uh, in the chat saying, she. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I have to, I have to watch a pilot. For TV school this oh, week. Oh, you finally That's have so a reason. Good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. Also, he also said to uh, to do the the premiere of every season because Ooh, each one yeah. is like a um, yeah. different, yeah, you know, it's Honestly, a self-contained thing. That's where Michael B. Jordan started. Yep. Season yeah. one of The Wire. So, mm-hmm. stars made there. Yeah. Oh, Kale, Kale, let me know when you're doing that. Maybe I'll join you and watch those pilots. I would do That's it too. interesting to me. Same. Actually. Yeah. I, listen, if you guys got time tomorrow, like I've got to do it. <laughs> um, David Simon also did a uh, um, show me a hero. Sean, did you watch that? No. Um, it was about an old Yonkers, New York mayor who was like embattled, and John Bernthal wasn't that. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Yeah. 
What about the uh, Oscar, the other I, Oscar Isaacs was in it as well? Wow. Yeah. Oh wow, really? David Simon had that other show that John Bernthal was also in on HBO uh, a couple years back. That was really good too, but I'm blanking on the name. I think we, um, are we ta- talking about the same show? Uh, maybe, maybe I don't remember Oscar Isaac being on it. We own this city. Oh yeah, I heard that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. It's hard to watch, but it's very good. Yeah, and by hard to watch, I mean the subject matter is just brutal. Yeah. Uh, speaking of brutal, we're talking about the Punisher, and <laughs> no, we that's now a know. Segue. Thank you so much. We now <laughs> know that John Bernthal will be reprising his role as the Punisher in Daredevil Born Again. Thank you. Let's go. The only person who should be playing that character. He's, yo, I love John Bernthal. He's so good. He's just intense. That dude is just intense in whatever he does. Like, even like Shane in The Walking Dead, like, yo, oof. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's his character. It's his personality, apparently. No, he seems like a nice guy. You you know, um, and I and I, I think about this with the Punisher, but I also think about it with Shane. And even the character that Bernthal plays in We Own This City. Every character that he plays, he brings such a magnetism to mm. and such a complexity to that you are almost like spellbound to see how Bernthal's gonna flip it, what's the next trigger point that's gonna, you know, turn his character on his heels. What's the emotional angle? There's just so many layers to the way that Bernthal plays these characters. Even the Punisher, someone that people say is one note, go back and watch Daredevil season two and tell me that again. Yep. Layers Honestly, watch, layers. watch Punisher. Like, I think it's a good, it's a good show. It was one of the yep. better of the uh, second best of the Netflix shows. Easily to me. I think I, so. I, I, I Punisher think so, yeah. for me is right up there. Yeah. Daredevil, Punisher. I think Jessica Jones and then. The first half of Luke Cage, <laughs> season one, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, I, th- I thought season one of Luke Cage was was strong. Once I got rid of Cottonmouth, like halfway through the season, I'm like, what the what the hell do you do that for? Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, um, he's blade now, so it worked out, I guess. So there are some interesting angles to touch on here. So we know Punisher's returning to Daredevil: Born Again. We know that it will also feature Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk. So we do have mm. that triumvirate returning for this new Daredevil series. What we are not going to be getting is the return of Deborah Ann Wall and Eldon Henson, who played Karen Page and Foggy Nelson. <gasps> they will not be returning. Mm, that's Dang. a miss. That's a miss. They're not returning in the sense that we know they're not returning, but it doesn't mean they've been recast. Correct? They yes. Might, they might just not be in this story. Yeah. Yeah. And also worth mentioning, it's not like everything is set in stone. It's not like we yeah. know everything. So right. it's possible that they will be announced later. But THR, the Hollywood reporter, is saying that they are not in this series. Doesn't mean they've been recast. This could be a series that just doesn't simply need them. Um, But it's hard for me to imagine that there will be a Daredevil story told in Hell's Kitchen that doesn't feature either one of them somehow. They they can't not be there. Especially Foggy. There is a recasting already, though. Um, Who? uh, This happened like late last night. Uh, Hollywood Reporter uh, is that Vanessa Fisk is in it with a new actress playing Vanessa Fisk. So not a big role, but there is a recasting of a, of okay. a recurring side character. So, 
does does the Hollywood Reporter give a reason? Because I'm wondering if it's uh, like no, San, Sandrine Holt will star as Vanessa Fisk. That's okay. all I see. All right. Um, other actors on the call sheet include Michael Gandolfini. Interesting. Huh. Um, Margarita. Oh, is he playing? Is he playing? His I son? bet he is. He's Fisk's son, isn't he? Yes. Are they adapting? Yes. Are they mixing Zdarsky's Daredevil in this? That's so exciting. I love Michael Gandolfini. Because to bring in Vanessa. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I don't know who Margarita Laviva is. God, if I open this up and she looks like Typhoid Mary, that's going to. Ah, that would be cool. I would love uh, to see Typhoid Mary. Possible. <laughs> um, Michael Gandolfini is cool, though. I like that as a as Yeah. A did you watch The Many Saints of Newark? I've never watched The Prentice. Oh, yeah. You've never watched. Why would I ask you a question like that? <laughs> I heard he was good, though. I heard, it was, I heard he was pretty good in it. I heard it was like a little weird, but. I enjoyed it tremendously, and I thought he was really great in it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I could. I, this is so exciting to me. I can't wait for Daredevil Born Again. I am starting to be concerned, though. And it's not. None of these announcements are the reason. But I'm worried about whether or not Disney Plus will commit to presenting us a this this story in a way that it needs to be to work and for the Punisher to work in the Marvel sandbox. I think they've already failed with Kingpin. Yeah, mm. I hope they don't do a disservice to the other characters that will be a part of this. Why did they uh, fail Kingpin? Because Kingpin in Hawkeye was just ridiculous his hawaiian yeah. shirt and he gets yeah, my, my fit out on. yeah <laughs> he looked like tyler if tyler was a gangster but you, you don't think they can redeem him in this of course they can they anything's yeah. possible um, i'm just worried that that's the choice that they made and then this is the follow-up so that makes me feel like okay well did you know you were going to do this at that time and you were setting him up mm. uh is this this is that was a radically different um yeah. uh presentation of Kingpin. So if that's the MCU's Kingpin, it would stand to reason that they will continue with that presentation going. I don't want that. Maybe see, this I might see. help you, Sean. Um the first director for at least the first episode is Michael Cuesta, who directed uh the pilots for Dexter and Homeland. So totally but, but I, I I think to your point then you mean like we, we I'd rather the people behind Netflix guide this because that is the version upon which that kingpin worked and was effective. For me, it's less about who's guiding it and more about whether or not it feels true to the character. Sure. Okay. Me, Kingpin from uh Hawkeye did not feel like the Kingpin that I know and love. Hmm. And I don't want any more of that at all. Um I hate to throw uh, more sponges into this fire, but aren't the CW superhero sh show writers coming to be on this too? Not that I see. I thought I read something like that, but I can't source it. But I, for some reason, I feel like I've read that. Hmm. Uh, I see. <laughs> That's not a good yeah. thing if it's the case. By the way, I just, uh, you know. I don't see it in this Hollywood Reporter article. What I do see is them spelling Matt Murdock incorrectly. So, guys, come on, Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> they spelled it That's like 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 uh, the 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 Murdochs, you know, like the the real life ones instead. Well, Tyler, let's not throw stones while we live in a glass house, okay? What, what am I spelling wrong? What did I spell wrong? 
Don't you remember <laughs> the other day when you uh you misspelled Cyclops in the toy review? That was like a month ago. <laughs> Cylops, all right. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a paid Hollywood reporter reporter, okay? You're also not a paid Hollywood reporter editor. I have uh so not I have uh <laughs> also, writers Jill Blankenship and Grain Godfrey will Those write the <laughs> 18 episode superhero TV series Daredevil uh and they are from Arrow. Those sound All like right. names of contestants on Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. What is uh, uh, Eric Babaganoush going to be uh, writing this to? Tony Blakenship. <laughs> I will be. I am way, way more scared of this yeah. now that we've confirmed that. Mm. I just I feel like they don't know what they're doing. That uh, that was from Collider, by the way. And I'm not saying those writers don't know what they're doing. I'm saying I don't think Marvel knows what they're doing. I don't understand how you see the success of the Netflix Daredevil and you don't just go grab those writers. They're busy at this take... point, I think. Sorry? I think they're busy at that this point. I you mean, know? I'm sure a, I'm, like they had a whole writer's room. So I know that Stephen DeKnight is busy. But yeah. what about the, the the individual episode writers? They They couldn't grab any of them? They got to go to the CW to find writers? Yeah, and uh, these... That digging into this article, these uh, these credits are not not promising. It looks like Blankenship did the uh, the episodes that was supposed to lead off to a spinoff for Green Arrow and the Canaries, which means it's late Arrow, which is definitely not promising. It's, it's and then po- Godfrey, yeah, oh boy. And then Godfrey wrote for the Flash and DC Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, so, Ugh. not exciting, but I, I want to, I want to try to be positive about this because I am, I do love Daredevil and I love the Punisher and I love Kingpin. So there's a lot of good that this could be. It's just really up to Marvel and Disney plus to make this work. And quite frankly, the track record of Disney plus as it relates to the Marvel shows is not the best. So we'll see. You think she shows up in this? I hope not. Tatiana Mazzani is on a uh, Broadway play right now that is currently in production or something. So he's around where they're filming. I hope not. I don't see the connective tissue there. Yeah, I don't think she needs to be. Uh, don't they you... were a couple by the end of She-Hulk. No? <laughs> but like, <laughs> were they? Marco sees no connective tissue and people who are, who are being couples. <laughs> I just don't want to see it because I think it's tonally incongruent, but maybe from a tone standpoint, I've gotten the vibe that this would not be tonally similar to Netflix's Daredevil. I don't have a source on that. That's what I think I know, and I hope I'm wrong. I I like this yellow and red suit, but I think even if they stick with that, like that's going to be wildly tonally different. Right. We're not going to get those epic hallway fight scenes in this show yeah it's gonna be different well i think you all know what time it is now tool it is time, time. <laughs> it's not tool time uh-huh. <laughs> is it time to duel it's time it's time to bookend the show 
by ending it the way we started, which was with another Marco's minute. Marco, <gasps> oh no, no I'm so kidding. I never want to do that again. Okay. Uh, it's oh <laughs> damn, I got really excited. <laughs> no, 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 that was a bad idea on my part. That was, um, that was soul crushing, actually. <laughs> I live for that. It is it time to get into week two of our deep dive, deep dive into Alan Moore's Twilight of the Superheroes, the greatest superhero story never told. Again, we had a lot of positive feedback on this last week. Last week, we established the why of Twilight of the Superheroes. We know that Alan Moore wanted Twilight of the Superheroes to be like Dark Knight Dark Knight Returns is to Batman, the like endgame of the myth of DC. He wanted to establish a future for DC's world and characters that gives the creators the ability to work back from and it solves the problem of superhero characters not get, ever getting a proper ending to their stories. But it also allows mainline continuity to continue unabated. Alan Moore wanted to give DC their cake and eat it too. He wanted to establish an endpoint for these characters, but also make it so that there was nothing that happened that would alter the, at the time, present of DC's comics in any way unless they wanted it to. This week, we're going to discuss the framing device that Moore uses to establish the link between, at that time, current DC and the future that Twilight of the Superheroes would show us, just how concerned Moore was with stepping on the toes of other creators and how to handle those who didn't want their stories to cross over, and we're going to get into the background of this future and what this future looks like. So, to start, Moore talked about how Twilight of the Superheroes would be a Secret Wars-esque hit and how it could even introduce new characters. And I was fascinated by this idea. Last week, we, he, he actually specifically referenced the Secret Wars and the success of that and the toy sale and all the different things that they were able to accomplish with that. And it's worth keeping in mind that all the heroes fighting heroes stuff and the... I don't necessarily want to say the modern blueprint for an event because that's not accurate but secret wars i think is maybe and i'm i'm open to being corrected the first like event event the first let's take heroes and smash them together event um the first event that had a drive of let's sell toys let's sell merchandise let's do all of those things like a packaged deal beyond the comics like how do you extend that through like a larger corporation right and sure. Alan Moore, especially if you consider it from a multimedia standpoint. Okay. And and Alan Moore was clearly inspired by that. So he said, in order to make the central storyline comprehensible to a wider audience than the trivia mesmerized hordes of comic fandom, the link with the present can be ignored and effectively severed, leaving only a powerful and simple central story idea, that of an apocalypse for super super folk played out by warring factions against the fascinating backdrop of a drastically altered future with all the plotting romance and intrigue of one of the of one of those storing historical dramas about warring factions amongst the medici or whatever this central idea that of a war and all its spectacular ramifications making it ideal material for a role playing game perhaps the ultimate superhero role playing game 
It also lends itself nicely to a wide range of other spinoff projects, including those in the toy soldier range. The apocalyptic mood of this series, tied in with current preoccupations and encapsulated in a phrase, like the previously mentioned, quote, waiting for Twilight, could work nicely with regard to the advertising campaign, as well as giving us a range of credible adult items as badges, posters, and t-shirts. Yo, my man out here building out the just Give the guy the keys, bro. What? It's so wild seeing how like '80s boardroom capitalist Alan Moore was. <laughs> it's it's phenomenal. It's yeah. it's incredible. Like there's such foresight and future planning, which is the thing that you need to do. You need to look beyond the next event. How does it tie in through these larger products? It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But I, I I like seeing that, and then where he is now. It's just like yo, what? Oof. Yeah. Skyrocketed down. Dude, dude called the uh, Dungeons and Dragons boom pretty early here, saying we should make a tabletop game out of this too. That'd be rad. Yeah. This would have been right around the original D and D boom. Yeah, yeah, the one that made my parents, you know, worry about <laughs> Satan and the and the games. <laughs> and were they, were they part of uh, uh what was it uh, uh the was it sad or something like that? Uh, oh, mine weren't no. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I think yeah. Reminds me of Stranger Things. Mad. It was mad. Mothers against Against drug driving. Is that what mad stood for? That's what mad stood for. Oh, okay. Well, who knows? There needs to be an organization for that? Like, (laughs) we're against drunk driving. (laughs) You think? So, so. I lived in Buffalo. You're right. So, Alan Moore also talked about the possibility of a superhero movie based on Twilight of the Superheroes, which I thought was really funny. Um, because this is way, way pre the idea of superhero movies as like um, a big like uh, franchise, I guess. Right, right. At that point, obviously, we had, you know, the Superman movie by uh, Dick Donner and things like that. This is pre Batman 89. Wow, dude. He had it planned out. This is right. foresight. This is foresight. Yeah, 100%. It's funny that uh, we will never get this movie, but in a few years, we'll be getting a Secret Wars movie, which this whole thing was sort of loosely inspired by from a multimedia standpoint. I just thought that was cute. He also talked about the way that this could introduce new characters. And he said, uh, we could introduce a character who hasn't been seen yet. Say Barbara Randall's proposal for a female Flash. That could be presented in Twilight as an old established character who's been in the Justice League for years. When the character appears on the newsstands in her own title some months later, this should strike a suitably ominous resonance back to the Twilight storyline. Is it all coming true? Even if it doesn't all come true in every detail, even if, say, she never joins the Justice League, mightn't it most of it come true? Does that remind you guys of anything? 5G, maybe? Hey. 5G uh, in all the studies, LA Times causes massive mutation and cancer. <laughs> I'll explain the link. Alan Moore was obsessed. If you read this, he was obsessed with the idea of setting up an end for DC. Yeah. He truly believed yeah. that in order for DC to stand the test of time, it had to move forward. And it had to show people, just like we see with the myths from Norse, myth- Norse mythology, myth- mythology and even uh, religion, if you if you consider 
uh, the Bible, you know, the character or not the character. I'm sorry. Jesus has an end point. I don't want to be disrespectful. Jesus has <laughs> Jesus has an, an, an end point and a beginning. That we are aware of. Last week, I used the example of Robin Hood, a character who has a very mm-hmm. clear-cut beginning, middle, and end, which is something that superheroes do not have. Alan Moore saying, look, the beginning part, we got that. The middle part, I can't help that. You motherfuckers are intent on making money forever off of these characters by keeping us stuck in the middle. Mm-hmm. What I can do is give these characters an end. So for everybody who wants to be stuck in the middle, we could do that. But for everybody who wants to know how it ends, that's what I'm giving. Absolutely obsessed. Dan Didio clearly felt the same way. Because his big idea was to give an end to the traditional Batman and Superman. And to create a way to bring about the new age of things forward. To me, those are coming from the same place. Was Dan Didio's idea as eloquent as Moore's? Maybe not, but Dan Didio is not a writer who's celebrated. Moore's one of the greatest of all time. Do, do you think, because like the, the this whole Twilight of the Superheroes, it's, it's almost mythological in and of itself, you know, and, you know, you know, inside baseball comics. Do you think that influenced Didio's thinking a bit? Or it's just, it's just like lightning just striking twice in similar ways? I am of the belief that a lot of stories that we have seen are inspired by this. And I have that saved for for later, but I'll tease you a little bit. What is Kingdom Come about? Yep. That's the first thing that I thought of even last week. Yeah. Yep. And I, I love Alan Moore when he talks about these characters with like passion mm-hmm. this this dude is in it man yeah it's it's really really amazing i i want to i want to i want to get into it because we haven't actually talked about how we get to this world so here's the setup it all starts with the time trapper raise your hand if you know who the time trapper is oh surely time trap I didn't know. I mean, like that sounds like you know, a Flashpoint character, you know. Go ahead, Kale. You might have it's, it. No, I don't think. I don't. I don't think so. And Go to me, it. it sounds like a Snapper Car uh, from the ancient Justice League characters when they when their headquarters were in that mountain. So I will. I will give you guys the answer. Time Trapper is a Legion of Superheroes villain. Oh yeah. Harris, Isaiah Os in the chat just got it wow. right. Wow. Um, Yo. Nerd. Ta- yeah. Time Trapper <laughs> is an ancient Legion of Superheroes villain and the basis for this story, which completely reminds me of ridiculous characters like uh, Psycho Pirate. And like whenever there's a major event, there's always a crappy character oh, beyond DC who's at the start of it. Even, even Marvel with Beyonder. That dude's ridiculous. Sure. Yeah. I guess I was referring more to like those like D-list villains that DC loves to put sure. at the forefront yeah. of these things. But yes, I, I think Beyonder also fits that bill. So we need to put some respect on the Psycho Pirate's name. Thank you very much. I actually like the Psycho Pirate, but I all I was trying to Psycho say Pirate. is like, yeah. you know, come on, right? Um, So Time Trapper 
establishes a, quote, temporal fluke field within the time streams, and that lures and traps time travelers, in this case, the Legion of Superheroes and Rip Hunter, within it, largely preventing them from being able to escape its clutches and leaving them, in some cases, stranded uh, on one of the several different Earths that have sprung up within the relative location of the time trap. So this is like, um, you know, the Legion of Superheroes, Rip Hunter, these are characters who traditionally are in the time stream, going to different realities and things like that. And Time Trapper is setting a trap for them so that they're stuck. And the byproduct of this trap is that it actually recreates Earths from the multiverse that were removed from reality after Crisis on Infinite Earths. So this opens up the door for the return of the multiverse already, which is something that Alan Moore criticizes consistently, that the multiverse is gone. He talks about how the Dark Knight-verse could be a thing. He doesn't use that language, but he talks about how we could see that continue on, and maybe that's a world that continues to live. He references several other worlds that you know are no longer uh, in existence. He also talks about how you could use this to dump some crap that you don't want anymore. Uh, he specifically references, and I know my boys are going to get this one. He specifically references a Rainbow Batman that they can dump into the fluke. <laughs> Dope. Yeah. Love Rainbow Batman. Mm-hmm. So up there with like a giant kaiju turtle, Jimmy Olsen, you know. <laughs> Gosh, DC was Black. wacky. Black Lois Lane. Lane. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That was amazing. I'm go, get, so I'm going to Philly next title. weekend, and I know I know one of the one of the comic shops in Philly has that on display for sale. That issue of, of Superman, it's incredible, tempting. love it. So while Rip Hunter is in the future, he meets John Constantine, who tells him he must go back in time to the you know to that times DC's present in order to warn the superheroes of the fate that awaits them in hopes they may prevent it. Now, this represents the framing device of Twilight of a Superhero, of the superheroes. This is not intended to be the story. This is how we get into the story. Or talks a lot about how, you know, that framing device is meant to sort of be the bridge between, at that time, present DC and the future, but to be fluid enough that when you want to tell this story on the big screen or you want to translate it into multimedia you could take that out is this the first zero issue (laughs) no No way and so with all that established let's talk about it let's talk about the world let's talk about the story what is this you you teased it in a weird way last week sean so (laughs) Oh, hey, just oh, you wait, he yeah. said. Sorry? No, he's saying just you wait. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go back to Alan Moore's words for a little bit and let him explain what we're looking at. The world of Twilight is not a world where the superheroes have deliberately taken over, but one where they have inherited the Earth almost by default as various social institutions started to crumble in the face of accelerating social change, leaving the superheroes in the often unwilling position of being a sort of new royalty. Even though government and civic authority has all but disintegrated, the various areas of America each have their own 
coteries of, of protecting super folk to look after them. And the superheroes have thus tended to the group, tended to group into clans, each looking after a certain province. There are numerous houses of this nature dividing America into a kind of feudal barony system, effectively, in terms of politics, if not in terms of technology, which is as advanced as one might expect by 2000 AD. I do want to say that the future that he's referencing is about 2010. Okay. It's between 2000 and 2010. So um, from 1980, whatever. So just keep that in your mind. I love this. I love it so much. Let's break it down. More saying that we're not looking at a world that has gone into the apocalypse because of you know, nuclear attack. He talks about how he specifically does not want to do what he didn't watch. And that that was becoming passe because it's been done to death. <laughs> it's, oh, man. It's not that. It's not parallax. It's not Superman gone bad. It's apathy and atrophy. It's the proliferation of superheroes and people with powers creating a world that has alienated human beings from it to the degree that they are now willingly subservient to superheroes because they don't believe that they can live without them because the entirety of their history since the uh, uh, um, proliferation of Superman has been that they need superheroes to protect them from the threats of the world. Think about DC Comics. What human threats are there? Forget not powers, regular human threats. Global warming. It's just really Amanda Waller, really. And even then, it's like she needs even then super she needs people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you also have like Batman villains, and it's like, meh, meh. I guess Lex. Lex is probably the biggest threat. Humanity. I, I, oh, I would say editorial, probably. <laughs> right, like Lex, Lex. Lex would certainly count. He's a. He's. A, I don't even know. I don't even know that Lex is a threat in that way. Like he's not trying to end Earth. Um. True. Yeah. You know, like Joker just wants to watch the world burn. He doesn't necessarily right. care to end Earth. All the the threats to Earth are alien. Or, or powered yeah. or yeah or or powered or supernatural somehow not nukes and so when earth is not at risk of being ended by humans humans lose the drive to protect themselves and they let the heroes do it for them i think that's brilliant is is this under the assumption then that they're also like living in a more idyllic society at that point no because superheroes don't have that ability. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. superheroes don't have the knowledge or the intelligence to run a government. They know how to protect people. So what we're looking mm -hmm. at is a world that is atrophying because it, it has no – no one's looking over the garden anymore. No one's tending to the garden. Eden is overgrown. And it's – yeah. It's the beginning of Kingdom Come. It smells exactly. like Doomsday Clock in a way too. Yeah. It's yeah. Ragnarok. Yeah, it's it's superheroes fighting each other for misunderstandings, if not the fun of it, because they have to do what they have to do. Yep. It's also a good, you know, uh, what we were talking about previously. It's also like it, it, it. This is why civil war would never work in 
DC. It's just the 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 the, the DNA of this world is mm-hmm. this this what Alan Moore is talking about is the ultimate end of it. Exactly. I'll go back to Alan's words now. Uh, Alan said, uh, what I want to show is a world which, having lived through the terrorists of the 50s, through the early 90s, with overhanging terror of a nuclear Armageddon that seemed inevitable at the time, has found itself faced with the equally inconceivable and terrifying notion that there might not be an apocalypse, that mankind might actually have a future, and might thus be faced with the terrifying prospect of having to deal with it, rather than allowing itself the indulgence of getting rid of that responsibility with a convenient mushroom cloud or 900. Following... Mm. Uh, following the predictions of made by Alvin Toffler and other imminent futurologists, I want to show a future in which everything from the family structure to the economy is decentralizing into an entirely new form that, while it might ultimately be better suited for the survival and the changed conditions in life of the 21st century, is in a constant and incom- incomprehensible state of flux and chaos for those living through it. Caught in one of the most violent historical niches where one mode of society changes to another, such as the Industrial Revolution. The people of our world find themselves going through an upheaval, more abstract and bizarre, but every bit as violent, and their institutions crumble in the face of the wave of social change. They find themselves clinging to the various superhero clans who represent their only anchor of stability in this rapidly altering world. Last week, I talked about Alan Moore and his disdain for people, adults, who find solace in superhero comics to escape from their reality, right? Hmm. Alan Moore is taking that meta and putting it into the book. Humans are now terrified of the way that the world is changing. So they are now giving themselves over to superheroes. Relinquishing that. Yes. Which, go ahead. Sorry, and 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 by virtue of that, conf- have to confront and have to question. Well, what does my world look like? That exactly. Damn, dude. And it turns the superheroes into gods who now have worshippers. Yo, they're now myth. Mm, true. Okay. Again, I can't say it enough. This is brilliant. More than super gods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I I want to give you guys a teaser because we are coming to the end of this edition, but I want to give you guys a teaser of two of the houses that encompass the new world order of DC. When I say new world order, I'm not implying like, you know, 5G turn the frogs gay. I'm talking about the new way of things. In, in this context within, yeah, yeah, yeah. The superheroes have divided themselves into houses. They're not allies. They're also not necessarily at war. This is just the way things are. So we have the Houses of Steel, or rather the House of Steel, the House of Thunder, House of Titans, House of Mystery, House of Secrets, House of Justice, House of Tomorrow, and the House of Lanterns. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, do the first three again. Okay. House of Steel, House of Thunder, and House of Titans. Titans, Titans. The fuck are Why are you questioning the team variety? Yeah. Oh, that makes so much more sense. I'm an idiot. Oh, I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are Titans? 
God. Yet he, yet he could tell. He could, you could think he could talk on Nightwing earlier in the, in the show. <laughs> oh, dumb bitch. Still, still, I'm assuming uh, Wonder Woman and team. Yeah, uh, maybe the Wonder Man Woman? of Steel, Marco. The Wonder Woman of Steel. No, but I'm just saying, like Steel, like Warring. It's it's Superman, God. Marco. Oh, no, but this he said mother, this motherfucker thought he could talk on Nightwing. Wait, wait, but but the the last two you had Green Lantern and something else that was I thought Superman related. Uh, House of Tomorrow and House of Lanterns. Tomorrow, yeah, Tomorrow is Superman. That's easy. So Steel has to be something else. Sean, what's the House Steel? All right. Yeah, you fucking shut you up. I, yeah, okay. You know what? No, Fuck you. you did it. You did it. Right. Because okay, I know okay. The to hey, this. You know what? <laughs> Fuck me. You're right. I'll give you that one. All right. Well, here's the answer. Oh. I'll leave it. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it i'll leave it to more if i change my mind he thought he says that uh this house would likely be house of steel would likely be in new york but he says if i change my mind it could be outside america altogether and set in the arctic circle based around a new fortress of solitude this is because the house of steel consists of the clan founded by superman we have the superman himself a morally troubled figure who doesn't know what's best to do about the chaos he sees surrounding him, but who has come to accept that the houses provide the only real permanent structure in a destabilizing world and are thus important to maintain. Superman has married and raised a couple of kids, and the person that he is married to is... Bruce Wayne. Lana Lang. Bruce Wayne. (laughs) Uh, It is definitely Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I I did say that last week. Who has had an identity change to Superwoman to accommodate her new stature? We see the genuine and powerful love between these two in the face of the perils of the world surrounding them and the desire to do what's best. They are also troubled by their two offspring. One of these is a new Superboy, and he's about 18 when the story opens, and he's real bad news. The other child <laughs> is a less dis- delinquent Supergirl. A new one who, like Superboy, has been born of the union between Superman and Wonder Woman, but who is much kinder and gentler, more her mother's child. Having three members in the Superman class and Wonder Woman herself, they're obviously a clan to be reckoned with. This is so very not- uh, Game of Thronesy, very uh, Dark Knights yeah. of Steel, too. So, oh yes, yeah. Dark Knights of Steel. Yet another book that I was going to bring up later that I believe was directly influenced by this. Yeah, it sounds Al- like it. Although you could obviously make your arguments, it came out after Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, you know, sure. big deal. But I, I would, I would argue that Alan Moore stuff is just, it's just archetypal, um, and that even subconsciously mm-hmm. it could influence things. Sure, right. yeah. whether you yeah. even know about it or not, it's just. It's DC. It's an understanding does, of the world. Does he say who House of Secrets is? No, he thought that one a secret. Ah. It's I mean, it it's all it's all here, Marco. Oh, oh and you're not oh, and that's next week. Oh <laughs> But I want to give you guys one more house. Because these two Mom. houses are the basis of the big story that we're gonna get into next week as we dive even deeper. And this is the House of Thunder. Ooh. I don't care. You will. I'm going to refer back to, to, to more now. The House of Thunder is the other major power and possesses members with power in the same class as that of the House of Steel. The House of Thunder is composed of the Marvel family plus additions. Captain Marvel himself is the patriarch. And 
is, if possible, even more estranged and troubled by the state of the world than Superman is. Perhaps because the Marvel family are having to come to terms with the difficulties of having human alter egos along with everything else. A point I'll return to an hour in the plot. That's, again, so fucking brilliant. They're the gods and the humans at the same time. That's he doesn't wild. say whether it's Billy Batson still as a kid, though, right? It I'm could not be a, done. It, okay. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, so referring referring back to more, alongside Captain Marvel, there is Mary Marvel, who the yeah. captain has married. More to form a bona fide mm. clan in opposition to that of Superman than for ever than for any other reason. I think they're cousins. The, I don't know about that. Well, there's the Game of Thrones <laughs> connection. Incest. Oh, they're just like a like just they were adopted at the same like they're not by blood. No, I, I, at this point they might have been. It would have been blood. Does that shock you guys? That they're married? Mm-hmm. Uh, not especially. No. Yeah. No, uh, no. You're gonna say something's gonna gross me up. I feel. I mean, it's. Well, what do you mean? Like a dud? Like, like, it, like it's that's an interesting, not that. Like that's not that compelling. It's an interesting oh, point. Here we but, go. Oh, this guy. He's. Oh, <laughs> you. you oh. <laughs> All right. Listen, I'm gonna preface this by saying I can't explain why Moore wanted to do this, <laughs> but this is what Moore wanted. It's a bombshell. If you don't want to hear it, it's a little gross. If you don't want to hear it, scroll ahead. They're in a three-way polyamorous couple with Tony the Tight. <laughs> I'll refer back to more. If, if. There is also Captain Marvel Jr., now an adult superhero, every bit as powerful and imposing as Captain Marvel in his prime, but under the eternal shadow of a senior protege. To complicate things, Captain Marvel Jr., and Mary Marvel are having an affair behind the captain's back, which has every bit as dire consequences as in the Arthurian land. Yeah. Yeah. The other member of the Marvel clan is Mary Marvel Jr., the daughter of Captain and Mary Marvel Sr. Mary Jr. is fated to be a part of a planned arranged marriage to the nasty delinquent Superboy during the course of our story in order to form a powerful union between the two houses peripheral to all this, but perhaps interesting somewhere in the house of thunder, which rises up from the middle of LA over the course of the uh, over on the West coast. There are quarters occupied by those characters from the faucet universe who can no longer cope with life in an increasingly realistic and difficult outside world. Those include a sad and aging Mr. Talky Tawny, <laughs> and perhaps even Mr. Mind. Please don't oh, laugh. I think I can make it work. <laughs> oh, that's in it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. That's great. The houses of Steel and Thunder face each other across the country with the various houses and constellations gathered somewhere in between, vying for the power that's left over after the two major houses have had their share. So ah. so hold on. Captain Marvel Jr. is the, still the child of no. Mary and Cap. Nope. Oh, different Captain person. That's Jr. Different, was that's essentially his role. Oh, oh. He, yeah. he was never that. Oh, okay. So, so we have that. we have what feel look, it feels to me like incest. 
Not. Like whether they're blood or some not, some level, yeah, they grew up together and right, like, yeah. It feels like incest between Captain Marvel and Mary Marvel, and then when you tackle Marvel Junior and Mary Marvel, that for me took it to a whole other level, to where it just feels like this incestuous mix of characters who are only mating and being together because of the state of the world and not really any other reason. I mean, it's, it's, it's not incestuous, but it is, it is three people who all grew up together. Yeah. At the same I, time, which. I don't think Freddie Freeman, Captain Marvel Jr. Was related. I think he was just a friend. Yeah. Yeah. You were correct. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just, I, yeah, I guess you, what I'm yeah. getting. Yeah. You're, you're right. Uh, Billy Batson, though, and Mary Marvel, I'm I'm pretty positive that's their cousins. <laughs> More was going all out. I, I like this as though, like, as, like, political, not political drama, but, like, uh, interpersonal drama. That, that helps to then affect, considering the fact that Captain Marvel's already disillusioned about the world these are the these are the the things that'll push him over the edge mm -hmm. like like this, these are those emotional beats oh even worse oh yep i have written it gets, the same it thing gets way worse oh no <laughs> they're actually brother and sister Fuck. In, in the traditional shazam stories mary <laughs> is billy's once lost twin sister mary batson yep. we don't we don't know if that's the premise here right sure i it, i mean unless this is a different completely different universe but you have to remember this premise that alan moore has written is 87 88 based on the yeah. faucet characters yeah and the mm -hmm. faucet characters have been in dc continuity at this point 50 years and mm. according to wikipedia it doesn't change until post final crisis <laughs> yeah so new Mm -hmm. This is Game mm -hmm. of Thrones. Manny makes a great point. It makes sense if you think of them as gods, as Alan Moore did. Greek gods were of the same way. Oh, they they and do I be fucking those those guys. Definitely agree with that. I think that this is one of the elements that DC. I talked last week. There's things DC would not have allowed. This is one of them. There's no way that DC would have allowed literal incest in their comics. Obviously, Marvel didn't care. 20 well, years later. I, I will say if, if it's with Alan Alan Moore, uh he got away with that with Swamp Thing previously. Literally an incest thing pushing against the comics code authority. Specifically for that. So it, there's precedent there. Oh wow, okay. I didn't realize he was into that. <laughs> his uh his extra his uh indie stuff is wild, my dude. Yeah. Like from yeah. Hell. Oh, was it with the with the three the three girls? Yeah, he's yeah, got yeah, he's yeah. got uh, a great big erotica graphic novels about like your um your typical sort of Disney heroines, your Alice in Wonderland, your uh, Wendy from Peter Pan. Yeah, um, and it's wild. Man, fucking quirked up white boy over here. Jeez. Yeah. So we've established the why. We've established the what. We've begun to establish the who. Hmm. We're going to dive deeper into the who next week as we talk about the rest of the houses. We're going to talk more about the subgroups. 
and how it all falls apart. Because write all it, this down. <laughs> It'll be a test at the end. We're also we're also gonna be getting into the like beyond the story because there's a lot of meat. There's the war, the Cold War between Alan Moore and DC that somehow centers not only this premise at some point, but the most unexpected real-life guest star in this story, none other than Rich Johnston from Bleeding Cool. A character in the in this play? No, 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 no. The real-life story. No, I, I, I know, I know, yeah. Okay. And the yeah. play of this epic we're talking about, yeah. Yes. Epic of this yes. creation and this pitch, yeah, okay. Rich Johnston plays a factor, which is unbelievable. I want to get over the show so bad. I got questions. It could, I could see that happening one day. Um, and yeah, we're going to get into so much more. The other big promise is that next week, I promise we will have images to show you. Ooh. Art? We will have art. Oh. Not Nothing official, but art from artists who were excited about this at the time, who read the pitch and wanted to show what they thought some of these characters might look like. So we will have some art for you guys. Who's, uh, who's a prominent artist? He was, he was probably 80s. He's probably working. Don't look it like, up. I'm not looking it up. I'm, okay. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to guess like who would put something together for him. Marco, don't say David Gibbons again. It, it, it. No, no, no. It'd probably be <laughs> like he at that point, he was working really, really closely with, with uh, Rich, Rick uh, Vage. Just art. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, who else would be excited for this shit? Don't don't think too deeply about it. Dean, I'll we'll get we'll we'll reveal all that. Perez, as we move forward. Thank you guys for uh, listening to that. I hope you're you're still enjoying our look at the Twilight of the Superheroes. The it's not uh, Sean's soapbox. It's Sean's story time. It feels like (laughs) story time with Sean. Yes. Uh, Ulysses says, no, it was getting good. Well, you know what? That's reason enough to come back. And I hope by getting good, you mean it was getting juicy because I think it's been good. There's so much good here. Alan Moore is trying to do something really special with this event. And I love the look at something that never got to actually happen. So mm-hmm. we will continue that next week. How are you guys feeling about this? I'm still I have to be because I won't be on the show next week. Um, but now I get to be like a listener on it. Okay. Oh, it's a lot of fun. I might listen to it while I'm driving. Perfect. Nice. You should. Uh, uh, feeling good, Sean. Feeling good. Hopeful for the future. Good. Unlike good. more. <laughs> you know what's wild is we're reading this. Almost every comic book idea has I've ever had has been seeded somewhere by Alan Moore somewhere wow and i don't think that's wild to say as we were talking about this i got another idea that you know unrelated to anything you know in twilight of the superheroes but it made me go fuck man this dude is just like he's like he's like the wizard green thumb (laughs) you say alan moore's name and you go on just a little bit Oh, there's a comic book idea. <laughs> oh, there's one. Reach up I and catch it. Oh, got it. Yeah. yeah. What 
when you when you read this stuff, and of course you read the published works of Alan Moore, you just see that this man's brain was firing constantly with ideas and concepts and things that are everywhere. He's tapped into the well of storytelling, the the fountain of storytelling, the fountain of creativity. He has the the he has the direct connection to that. That wellspring, and it's it's amazing. He feels like he he's living in an arc of Sandman. It's like some writer who tapped yeah. into some like otherworldly being and has yeah, the, the power of his house storytelling. Of yeah, incredible. Well, again, tune in next week to hear the uh, next chapter of of the Twilight of the Superhero Saga, and of course, whatever else we're going to be talking about next week on the Comics Pals podcast. Before you jump off, I do want to say thank you for listening. If you are not subscribed, please do subscribe to our channel. Like the video if you're watching this on YouTube. Otherwise, wherever you're listening to this, there's a follow button, there's a review button, whatever it is. Let the people know that you are enjoying this. You know, if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. Um, subscribe on youtube you can subscribe on twitch if you have an amazon account you can subscribe for free with twitch prime we get a kickback off that so we really appreciate that whatever you can do make sure that you write us a question or comment for jeff johns that uh, we might read on the air on april 1st when we do interview him that is not an april fool's joke enter the jeff johns geiger giveaway by writing in your question or comment being subscribed to our youtube and twitch and uh, that's all you got to do. Patrons get a plus two buff to their entry. When we do the the randomizer, we will input people's names. Patrons will get their names uh, entered plus two. So do, uh, you know, if you if you want, that's an incentive to join the Patreon, which you can do at patreon.com slash the comics pals. For as little as $3 a month, you can get our newsletter. And you get access to our book club poll. You get a nickname and a shout out on the show. And as I mentioned, you get uh, additional entries into the giveaway. Watch this show live on Twitch and YouTube every single Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. Watch Pals Pulls at 6 p.m. Eastern. Listen to our most recent book club for Strange Adventures, which was a lot of fun. One of Tom King's best works, in my opinion. Maybe the best. Um, and for everything else, at the Comics Pals all over the place. Oh, uh, our store, there's a, a link to the store in the description of anything that we do. So check that out. Let's get to the plugs. Kale, you're up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at Kaleward.com, C A L E W A R D.com. Speaking of my work, if you're on Patreon, my newsletter this week was a treatment for a Comics Pals TV show. A lot of fun. Um, Who if, plays me? If you're, if you're not, um, uh, ugh, you. Um, I'll do it. <laughs> Sean Austin. <laughs> I always thought like Jermaine Clement. No. Absolutely not. I'm not that funny. That's a Marco easy. <laughs> um, if you're not in the, the biz... Uh, a treatment is a a, a sort of a, a concept document for what the show would look like. Um, I had a lot of fun. It seems like it's been re really uh, well received. I'm actually really proud of it. I think it could. I think it has legs. Um, so, got my uh, my grandma seal of approval. So, <laughs> oh man, 
That was that was cool seeing that. <laughs> Kayla hit with the grandmas. I could see it. Yeah. Story of my yeah. life. Marco. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Animoto. Um I've been I just came back from London. Uh, ask me questions about it. Come talk to me about that kind of stuff. Uh, I got a few indie books that I'm actually going to be talking about in a subsequent newsletter because uh, I always, whenever I go to someplace new, I will visit a comic book shop, but specifically get something from local talent just to see what the indie space is uh, within that respective area. I was in London, so I went to uh, Gosh Comics, picked up a few just real wacky things. Any and, uh, uh, video of it, Marco? Sorry? You any video of that? Uh, I have pictures. I did not get video, but I have. Uh, I'll be doing scans and stuff of like particular art that I thought was really interesting. Tyler, oh, uh, actually, I... you know what would have been a great time to like tell people about the your experience in London and things like that, Marco. I don't. Uh, you know, I, I I don't. But tell me where where would it have been? Most Marco's fruitful? minute. Oh. Well, you know what? I mean, give me the minute now. Nope. nope. Tyler? Right. You uh, even had yeah. your time to plug in. It is Tyler's shit. time now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Tyler's time. So, yeah, you can follow me at uh, the Tyler Olson on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I got nothing really going on. You know, if you know of a good comic shop that I can check out in Philly next week, let me know. I'll do that. Oh, I have a few. I know South Street Comics is good. I'll send you some. Um, yeah, yeah. I just want a good cheesesteak and drink some beer. Good yeah, beer. Go. I'm going yeah, to, what is it, uh, oh, the uh, bottle shop. Tired hands. Yeah. I'm going to tired hands next week. That's what I'm doing. You know, chill with Pete. Um, I actually messaged him. He hasn't got back to me though, but we'll see. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> As for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Uh, I got nothing. Just loving what we're doing, having a blast. Excited for a thousand. I think we might hit a thousand by next week. How about that? I think you're right. Yep. I think you're right. That's hype. So I think before I, next week. Right. Like when we show up here next week, we'll probably be over. So yep. that's uh I'm I'm very excited about that. Join the celebration. This is, you know, if it happens when it happens, it's our collective victory. So yeah. Um did you mention uh Pals Polls poll, Ron? Oh, the Pals Polls poll will be up. hard to say. Hard to say. Will be up uh, today. So after the show, if you're listening to this live, you'll be able to vote. If you're not, it's already up. Unless you're listening after Wednesday, in which case it's not up. So you've got your time. Go vote. Pick the book that you want to see us review. And if it wins, we will be reviewing it on Thursday. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are the Comic Spouse signing off. Until next time, take care, guys. See you next week. <laughs>